Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. I'm Bert Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Jared Sutton, Midwest Regional Scout and College Basketball Analyst. We will get his thoughts on the idea of the Toronto Raptors possibly coming to Kansas City. Also, we'll get his insights on all things college basketball, in particular with KU and the Big 12 and the NBA draft that's coming up here as well. So I look forward to talking to uh, Jarrett coming up later on in today's show. Joining me, as always, is Thomas Bridges. Tom, what's going on? Appreciate uh, the time, as always. Uh, How's your week been? You know, just uh, starting a new job uh, in Tulsa like the old one. Um, so back on the Tulsa time, you know, um, driving to and from though, from Bartlesville, but so far so good. Um, still in oil and gas. It's kind of like one of those things you, you just can't stray too far away from it. Right. Um, you know, you'd never can. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like sports. It's just like, well, you know, you start talking about something and eventually sports happen. It's kind of like, well, you work somewhere and again, it's oil and gas. Um, so doing that and getting prepared for Halloween for this Oklahoma State Texas matchup in Stillwater come this weekend. Uh, very spooky, very spooky. And I'm ready for it. I'm preparing my mind and my body currently as we speak. Old habits never die, as they say. Exactly. Um, speaking of work, Tom, I pulled one of the big no-nos this week in radio, and this is the risk I take of doing the morning shift. I forgot to set my alarm, and I was about 40 minutes late for my show on Tuesday, and we were off the air. I mean, that's the thing everybody fears doing the morning shift and uh, I did the inevitable. You better believe the very next day, I was in bed early, by like 10.30, and I got to work early. That wasn't going to happen again. Uh, I-, I felt so bad, but at the same time, all you can do now is just laugh at yourself that I let that happen. You pulled a Tom. I did. You did. You, you, you pulled a Tom. You know, that's okay. Well, you know, you <laughs> you know, you know, got to have the lows to feel the highs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you mentioned Halloween. Are you going to dress up as anything at this OSU game? Yeah, no, um, Jones. I have, you know, and I, I, I probably won't do it. I could, I could. Um, so in 2017, I went as the Pope, and I got a lot of play. I went to a Halloween party, and they had me bless everybody's drinks the whole night. They were like, "Pope, please bless it." You know, maybe it's sacrilegious, but <laughs> you know, it's Halloween. Who cares? Um, got a lot of play. enjoyed it. The next year, I think I DJed, um, and I didn't, I didn't dress up. I don't think the next year or last year I went as the Pope again because it got so much play and it got play again. I still have the Pope hat and the Pope costume. I don't think I'm going to go as the Pope. If we were playing Notre Dame, I probably would. Um, or if we were playing Baylor, uh, maybe, but Texas, I, you know, I, I thought about wearing a wig and going as Mike Gundy, and I have a, a, a like a wireless headset for the PlayStation Four, and I thought about taking like a white pen and writing U.S. Cellular on the top. Uh, wearing, you know, here lately, Jones. I don't know if you've noticed, um, Gundy has been wearing khakis a lot, like he's going to go take the Michigan job. 
here shortly. Um, I thought about wearing some khakis. He's he's been rocking. I think two weeks in a row. Don't I'm not the I'm not the college football fashionista by any means. Some people do pay attention to it. I I really don't. But here's the thing: Gundy has been seen in in uh, in in your home city of Lawrence there, um, and in Stillwater last week, a gray kind of an OSU sweater okay. and khakis. And I thought about rocking the khakis, uh, rock, you know, getting a gray Oklahoma State sweater. And then getting a kind of a mullet, you know, an Arkansas waterfall wig, um, maybe some shades depending on what it's like, and then shaving, and and going with the Arkansas waterfall in in the uh, the wireless headset. I did think about that. I don't know if it's too much or not. I like that idea. I'll tell you. I who, think they would put me. I think I would get on TV for that. Here's who I would be. Um, I won't be this, but. If I had to dress up as any sports figure for Halloween, Tom, and, and this guy, he could use some mo- momentum boost of some sorts right now. I would love to go as Gardner Minshew. Get the handlebar mustache going, the hair slicked back and everything. I think Gardner Minshew would be a great Halloween costume. Um, the, the only issue with that, too, is that I think – Probably most folks would not know who you are unless you were just a diehard NFL fan or a Jags fan, for that matter. That, or if you are a, a Minshew jersey, you know what's a shame, Jones? That we love Amy Smith here on this show. Amy Smith, the uh, Chinese jersey dealer. Yes, uh, we do love her. I, I, you know, we can't say enough. One day, I wish we could get their contact information and actually have her on the show. Um. AmySmithStore.com. Sponsor the show. Wouldn't that be something? Right. Uh, we might. Wouldn't have, that be something? We might have sponsored? the IR, We might have the IRS after us if we did that. But nonetheless, uh, if you want a twenty-five dollar jersey from overseas, just go to AmySmithStore.com. Exactly, and then get a Gardner Minshew. You know, I got enough facial hair rocking right now, and I, I did. Here's the thing, Jones. Too last year when I did, was the Pope, I had more facial hair than I do right now, and I I shaved. I shaved last year and had the handlebar rocking. I, ro- I rocked it then. I rocked it in Utah this summer. Got a lot of play. I mean, I, we did have to wear masks, but the time that I did wear masks, it did get a lot of play as well. People were like, oh, man, check out the handlebar going on. People love that. And, you know, even if it's not super Hulk Hogan type thick, if you can pull it off just enough, people love that. And oh. maybe, you know, maybe I go – no, no, I was going to say Baker, but that would be even more sacrilegious than the Pope in an OSU game. <laughs> um, right. But, you know, I might, you know, the, the shame here, Jones, here's another thing. And we're, we, here's the thing. I feel like in the first 15 minutes of every show, we, the best shows is when we get on like a 15 minute tangent. How has Gundy never had a mustache? It's a good question. I don't know. I've never seen it. Yeah. I've never even seen a little bit of it. Um, I found a few Gardner Minshew jerseys on amysmithstore.com. Um, I'm on Amy Smith right now, too. Look at you. <laughs> there's a gold one, a gray one, black. Yeah, we got plenty of options here. But can Amy. A gold one. Can she ship it in time 
before Halloween on Saturday from China? That I don't know. And yeah, don't also, know. are you going to get coronavirus from her shipping it over? That's true. Now, so if you go to the NCAA jerseys on amysmithstore.com, um, they do have a Barry Sanders. And, and I think OSU fans, and I can speak to this, we've been waiting for a throwback Gundy jersey for a long time. If I could get a throwback Gundy jersey and then wear that with a pair of khakis, and the headset and the, and the Arkansas waterfall, I think that would have been that would be an elite one. But you you can't find a Gundy jersey. I'm going to look that up on Google right now. You cannot find an Oklahoma State Ooh, Gundy jersey. I might even buy that that uh, Barry jersey. That looks good. I mean, for twenty bucks. I mean, right? I mean, you can't you can't beat that. But they've never made. A throwback Oklahoma State Gundy jersey. Why? I don't know. I have no clue. That way it would sell. Right. Um, I would have to go with the the orange, not the white one of the Barry Sanders. I would go with both. I mean, for $22 a pop. Right. You know, Jones speaking of this, and we're going on a tangent. If you look up the Los Angeles Rams, they have these pair of gym shorts on there. Um, for the Rams that are mighty fine. Um, and I'm looking at ordering those right now as we speak, but not unless I can find a Mike Gundy jersey that can get shipped here in time. <laughs> oh, I love it. AmySmithStore.com. Uh, check her out. She didn't pay us to say that, but we feel like we're being paid just by the amount of discounted jerseys we get from Amy. You know, I wonder if I can go ahead and email her right now when I try to order these Rams gym shorts. I don't know if she would understand. I mean, it is broken English when she emails back. Um, and, and I'm not even sure if it's a woman. You know, I'm not even sure if it's Amy, but just the figurehead of, of what Amy Smith's story is. You can, maybe we can email her. I think if we said, hey, listen. Jones, and this is obviously more up to you than me. She said one free jersey a month apiece. Would you run her ad? Yeah, I would. I would just uh, try to keep it very uh, quiet. You know, we'd have to put it like in the middle of the show or something. Right. Yeah, it couldn't be. We couldn't start it out. <laughs> right. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Amy Smith. I, I like Amy. Uh, you know her discounted jerseys. That's the way to go. I mean, I would never, Tom, never in a million years. There's no reason why anymore to ever buy, you know, a jersey for a hundred or a hundred and fifty bucks. How much ever jerseys are going for? When you can find people like Amy just to buy these things online. I mean, your your Mahomes jersey looks impeccable. No one knows. No, yeah, exactly. That's the whole point. It's just like, well, you know, they don't know. And and no one's going to be like, hey, man, is that fake? Right. No one's saying that. And and I'm not paying. I'm not paying $100 plus for a jersey. that, And then, then they get traded or, you know, something happens. Uh, I mean, Nolan, of all people, Brian Nolan, our friend Brian Nolan of the show, had a uh, a Jamal Adams jersey. And, and a, he had somebody else. Oh, he had uh, Le'Veon Bell. 
Okay. And now look at him. He's stuck with two jerseys that mean nothing. But he only paid $20, a little over $20 a piece for them. I might get him a Mahomes Texas Tech jersey. That'd be pretty classic. I'd like that. That might be the move. Though. Too bad they couldn't ship it. Too bad they couldn't ship it this weekend, and you could wear it and support the Texas Tech Red Raiders this weekend. They need all the help they can get. Yeah, they do. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Tom. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the you know, Chiefs. it's going to be a good show when we go on a tangent like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I I hope so. I hope that we're setting the table for what would be a good rest of the show. The Kansas City Chiefs this week. Are taking on the uh, the Jets. You can insert the laugh track after saying those words. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, we, we talked about it on Monday's show the job that they did against Denver. Um, you know, in the what we learned segment, the thing that I pointed to was how well the Chiefs played in all three phases of the game: offense, defense, special teams. Just phenomenal the way that they were able to play well in all three of those things, and. When you've looked at the Chiefs, you know, back to 2018, it was just the offense that was winning them games. In 2019, it was the offense and the defense in the second half of the season when they ultimately went on to win the Super Bowl. Now you see in 2020, it's all three. The special teams, you know, Byron Pringle of all people, um, you know, Mr. Pringles can himself, gets a kickoff return for a touchdown. That was the first time he'd ever done special teams for the Chiefs. And he happened to take one back for six. Um, you know, Dan Sorensen, you, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time, you know I'm not a big Dan Sorensen fan. Um, I think that Dan Sorensen, for about every five bad plays, makes one good play. Um, but Dan Sorensen came through with that uh, interception. And, of course, the pick six by, you know, or uh, he had the pick six. Tyron Matthew had another pick himself. Um, you know, all around, you know, a very good win for the Chiefs. And now – you go into this next stretch, and you take on the Jets this week, Carolina next week, and you're trying to struggle with staying motivated. Chiefs are six and one, and you know you're what a twenty point favorite this week against the Jets, who are just a dumpster fire at zero and seven. But staying motivated, trying not to overlook the Jets, not overlook Carolina. I think they can overlook the Jets play a, a C or D game and still win this game just fine. Um, but next week, a C or D game wouldn't fly against Carolina. Carolina surprised a lot of people, and Christian McCaffrey uh, is uh, back to practice and looking like he could play again sometime in the near future. So this stretch for the Chiefs, you know, stay motivated, try to avoid some injuries. And if you're Andy Reid, I don't think you're going to show a whole lot here. I think you're going to keep the offense pretty vanilla. Uh, there's no reason that it needs to expand much beyond that. Don't need to use that against these next couple of teams here. That's what's uh, the onset for the Chiefs through this next stretch. And the other part of that, I think this week, if you're looking for that motivation factor, there's going to be at least one guy that's motivated this week. And that's going to be your new running back, Le'Veon Bell, going up against his former team. There's a big reason why that he signed with the Chiefs was for the opportunity to face the New York Jets pretty quickly here. We've heard from Andy Reid that he plans to continue to split the load with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being the main ball carrier, but that Le'Veon Bell will still see a decent amount of playing time as your number two back and 
allowing Clyde Edwards Elaire to line up in the slot and use Le'Veon Bell back there and let him be a blocker and such. Um, I think this game means a lot to Le'Veon. Um, you know, this win on Sunday is going to be for Le'Veon. And I think the team's going to rally around him and he's going to go off and he's going to make a statement of some sorts. If, if that's what you're, if you're looking for some way to be motivated or find something for this weekend, all you got to do is point to Le'Veon Bell. That's what this game all is, is all about on Sunday for the Chiefs, Tom. Yeah, and it should be. And, and, and it's not a revenge thing. You know, Andy Reid has no part in this revenge thing. Obviously, it's it's for Le'Veon. And, and here's the thing. It, you know, there was, I wouldn't say question about Le'Veon's character. But, you know, when they first signed him, there were some people saying, well, if Le'Veon gives him any trouble, you know, they've signed him for this much. If he becomes troublesome or something happens, then you just let him go. It's no sweat off their back. That's cool. Um, but I think, and, and, you know, it's not just screw the Jets, but at the same time, if someone picks you and, and has that faith in your team and they want to join your team and like the things that you're going ahead and doing, I think you go ahead and play Le'Veon Bell as much as he wants because it's, it's let's be real, the Chiefs are going to win this game. And and what I thought was really cool and, and didn't necessarily change my opinion about Le'Veon Bell, it just made me like him more, is when he be, when he came to the Chiefs, or right before he came to the Chiefs, he contacted Clyde Lair and said, hey, man, listen, I know you're a rookie, uh, but hey, they drafted you for a reason. This is your team. Are, are you are you cool with me coming through? And and Clyde Lair was like, yeah, for sure. You know, you know, they, they responded back positively, both back to each other. And and but Le'Veon Bell checked with Clyde Lair and said, hey, man, this is your team. Is it cool if I come through and, you know, try to join you guys to try to run it back this year? And and, and Clyde Lair responded that positively. And, and it was it was all good. And and so I think even Clyde Allaire would agree, hey, you know what? Le'Veon Bell's part of this team now. Yeah. We're going to win this game anyway. Let Le'Veon Bell, you know, let him. He has a chip on his shoulder, obviously. And let him go. You know, this is pretty much his first week. Let him Let him go. Let him dominate it. And, you know, and, and you know, we might be seeing some more of a, Chad Henney Hennessy this week at this point. I mean, <laughs> let him let him play, right? Um, you know that I think there's a, a good chance that we see some Chad Henney Hennessy on uh, on Sunday. I love that tweet this week. I'm, I'm sure you did. Uh, I, I was expecting a retweet, but all I got was a like. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yes, let, let me on Bell. This game for him means more than anybody else and, and talking to Omar Ruiz last week I thought uh, I don't know if you went back and, and, and heard Tom but Omar made an interesting point in uh, our discussion on last week's show he said that you know when you look at Le'Veon Bell and the issues that he's had whether it was Pittsburgh or with the New York Jets you know whatever it may be um, Le'Veon's issues were not in the locker room his teammates loved him it was management. It was co- his coaches that he didn't work with, with with Mike Tomlin, and you know the rest of the Steelers staff and not getting a contract. The Steelers got mad. The players did at Le'Veon when he didn't play, but when he was in the locker room, there was no issues there. With the Jets, 
it, it wasn't he had an issue with Sam Darnold or anything like that. It was with Adam Gase. It was with management and such. And so, to me, you mentioned that phone call. that to establish that relationship with Clyde, with Patrick Mahomes and those guys, the the Chiefs, and I know that the, the Steelers have been arguably the model franchise in the NFL, um, but I would say that the based on the way things have gone as of late, the Chiefs are one of the best-run organizations in this league and have probably better relationships with their players, the way things have played out as opposed to in Pittsburgh or most organizations in this league. Uh, when you see what Pittsburgh did with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon and some of these other guys, um, even go f- back further to Emmanuel Sanders and some of these others, that hasn't happened in Kansas City. Um, you had Marcus Peters, sure, but that was kind of an isolated incident. The, St- the Chiefs have done a very good job of working with their guys that maybe were a struggle to be a fit of some sorts. I mean, even Travis Kelsey wasn't too long ago that his name was being thrown out there like, hey, you know, Travis is a bad teammate. You might need to trade him and such. He doesn't mess with that locker room. Can you win a, a Super Bowl with Travis Kelsey? And then we found out, of course, you can win a Super Bowl with Travis Kelsey. Why didn't anyone even ask that question? Um, basically, for Le'Veon Bell, this is a last-ditch effort. If he can't make it work in Kansas City, it's not going to work anywhere. And so far, I know it's a very small sample size. Le'Veon's done everything right to this point. And this week is a very big week for him. And long term, I think that you view Le'Veon, Tom, as just a rental of sorts. He's playing for a league minimum. He's not going to do that again next year. He'll probably get more money that the Chiefs can't afford because they have so much money tied up to other things. He'll probably go home to Miami or something like that and play for a little bit more money. Um, you know, really, all you're asking for, Le'Veon, is you know what you're getting paid. You got, you're playing for a Hall of Fame head coach, um, the best offense in the league for the minimum salary. Just ride with this team for, what, 11, 12 weeks? I, I think that they could make that work, and this should be a big step forward in that relationship for, for Le'Veon and this Chiefs to make this work. And here's the thing about Le'Veon Bell, and, and maybe I'm in the minority here. I think, you know, with whatever happened with the Steelers happened, he went to the Jets to try to make it new. His phone call to to Clyde Lara and to Mahomes and just to the whole Chiefs team showed me and, and pretty much told me, confirmed it. I don't think Le'Veon Bell's a locker room type cancer guy. I don't I really don't think so. I you know, I think maybe a little bit of a bad rap, maybe a more competitive attitude, maybe, which which can be a good thing. Uh, he's accepted his role. I mean, the phone call alone to, to have that mindset to not step on any toes and, and to come in and want to win shows me a guy that is going to step up and, and, and take what he gets and make the best out of it. Uh, and, and, and maybe it's a prove it year two for him. If he can come up and step up and, and get that, maybe he wouldn't get as much money as he did maybe coming right out of, uh, you know, Pittsburgh and, and being the fantasy guy for a lot of people that he was. But at the same time, it, it proves to me that he, one, wants to win. Two, is cool with a great organization. Three, left a bad organization. And, and 
maybe left a bad taste in his mouth to to the point where he's like, hey, I want to be a part with you guys. I want to make it cool. Like, can we can we go win a Super Bowl? And that's the vibe that I'm getting from Le'Veon Bell. And I, and and I'm a Rams fan, obviously, but I love to see it. I love to see it. Yeah. Uh, and and I hope he goes out, Jones. Honestly, I hope he kicks the shit out of the Jets this week. I'll be rooting for Le'Veon Bell day in and day out <laughs> this Sunday. Oh yeah, um, that's what this week is about. It's about Le'Veon Bell and it's staying healthy. You you go through the Chiefs injury list right now. I mean, it's brutal. In particular, that offensive line. I mean, Andrew Wiley, he was in full practice on Wednesday. Same with Austin Ryder, their center, and Eric Fisher, their uh, starting uh, you know, right tackle. So that's good that they were all full practice. Should be able to go on Sunday. Um, but Mitchell Schwartz still didn't practice on Wednesday with a back issue. Um, you know, that's four offensive linemen we're talking about here. Um, you know, the defensive line, too, on the opposite side. You know, Taco Charlton, well, you know, he was a full practice Wednesday, fortunately. But, you know, Colin Sanders was limited. Chris Jones didn't practice. I mean, you got some injuries. You need to overcome, need to get more guys healthy and avoid other guys from, from getting hurt, too. Those are the two goals this week. Otherwise, you should be fine against the New York Jets. With that being said, um, let's go ahead and uh, pick the games uh, or go through these games for this week. We'll have our picks again, pick them later in the show. But, Tom, Tom uh, with the Chiefs this week, uh, you and I both like them to win, obviously. 19-and-a-half, I have no reason to think that the Chiefs can't cover 19-and-a-half. I mean, the, the Dolphins won, I think, tw- like 26 nothing or something like that against the Jets. That's that's the uh, put-the-home-loan on that one bet. Yeah, it probably is. And I know the, the Bills – Beat them only 18 to 10, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think the Chiefs got this locked up. I mean, they did beat the Bills, and and I I don't think – here's my thing. I don't think the Jets are going to go winless. I really don't. I think they're going to get one, but this is not the week. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So we both like the the Chiefs to dominate here. I I will be damned. Right. I mean, oh. this, this is the one. This is the one that if the Jets win, you eat your own shorts. I will eat my own shorts if the Jets win this game. I'll do that. You heard it here first, folks. I will eat my own shorts. I don't know how that would work, but I will eat my own shorts if uh, the Jets beat the Chiefs. I'll, I'll boil them, cut them up, and I'll put them in an Andy Reid mac and cheese for you. I bet it would still be delicious too. Um, with that being said, we'll move on. Here's the other games. Uh, Thursday night football, the uh, Falcons and the Panthers. Carolina's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. They're at home. I like what I've seen from Teddy in Carolina. Matt Rule's doing a great job here. Um, Atlanta, even after moving on from Dan Quinn, they're still a hot mess at this point here. Uh, Carolina, uh, this is kind of like the national debut of Matt Rule of sorts here, Tom. Uh, A lot of people, in particular in the NFL, this will be their first exposure, really, to Matt Rule there in Carolina. I'm excited for Matt Rule. I like what he's doing there. Yeah, I think he can get the job done. I mean, they they did only lose to the Saints by three last week. I I, I like the Panthers to bounce back. This is this is uh, Jones. I hate to say it. This is like a Big Twelve team playing Kansas after a loss, like Iowa State this week. Hey, that's a low blow. Uh, we we don't go there. 
it's a get it's a get your team right week. It's a get your team right week. The uh, Bills take it on the Patriots. The Bills are five and two. They've gone through a little bit of a rough stretch as of late. You mentioned barely beating the Jets last week. The Patriots. Um, if uh, if you want to talk about a rough stretch, oh my gosh, uh, two and four, just a brutal game uh, last week when they lost to the 49ers. Tom, uh, the, the Patriots, I think their playoff hopes are already done here, but both these teams are, are kind of desperate for different reasons. I think the Bills would like to get back on track to what they were playing at about three or four weeks ago. The Patriots would like to just be competitive and win football games again. Yeah, you know, I think they would too. And and here's the thing about, you know, here's the thing about the the Patriots. They started off so hot, and and they were playing so well, to be honest, um, all the way up until, you know, all the way up until Cam Newton got COVID, and then just just has not been any better. Um, I. I think it's you know, and I don't I don't want to say it because it's still Bill Belichick. It's almost time to pack it up for the Patriots. Uh, you know, they they are getting the Bills on on a down on a downtrend. So I, this I think this could be a, a one touchdown game, but I, you know I'm going to take the Bills. Yeah, I like the Bills here three and a half. I think that they can cover three and a half, but they haven't been pretty. I'd like to see the Bills step it up a little bit here. We'll see what they could do. Titans taking on the Bengals, uh, this game in Cincinnati, Ohio. The uh, Titans suffered their first loss of the year last week at home against the Steelers. Uh, the Bengals, Joe Burrow, he's balling out. Uh, Coach Bo will tell you time and time again they don't deserve Joe Burrow. Um, Tom, uh, Tennessee, they're not blowing out teams other than the Bills. Uh, I mean, other than that, their games have been pretty close this year. That defense kind of struggling there for Tennessee. This game, I think Tennessee wins this maybe by 7-10 or something like that. You know, 7-10 to point win. That's kind of the range I'm looking at for the Titans on the road. Yeah, I think you're right. 7-10 to is about right. And, you know, I think the Titans probably bounce back after. I mean, that was a close. That was a heck of a game. Uh, you know, against the Steelers. I mean, Titans. Titans will be fine, and 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 like you said, seven to ten. It's probably about right this week. Yeah. Um. Do, do you buy the Titans as a Super Bowl threat right now? Oof. Super Bowl threat? No. I do buy them as a team. I don't want to play in the divisional round. I can tell you that. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Raiders taking on the Browns. We'll pick this game coming up later in the show, but. The Browns at five and two, Raiders at three and three. Tom, I could tell you this: both these teams think that they could go to the postseason. It's hard to imagine either one of these teams going to the postseason if they don't get this win here. Pretty much a must-win game if the playoffs are realistic for either one of these teams. Yeah, and and for the Browns, you have the Steelers, who are still undefeated. The Ravens with one loss. And, and and if you look at the AFC West, obviously the Raiders maybe have a little bit of an advantage there as far as getting the playoffs, uh, because the Chargers can still maybe make some noise. Obviously, the Broncos are as good as gone. Um, but you know, Derek Carr, they had like I said, they had a hangover week against the Buccaneers, and it had a week where the Buccaneers just ate. 
I mean, they, they took their plate to the kitchen and filled it and went back for seconds. Um, I think the Raiders can make some noise here. Then, then you mentioned it's a must win for both teams. Uh, Baker Mayfield, as much as I hate to admit it, he has impressed me this season, maybe with a, with a new coach and, and, and better line and, and the running game being good. And, and finally them accepting, Hey, the running game is where we need to push first or make a priority. Maybe that's why the Browns are as good as they are this season or as the record shows. Uh, we'll pick this game later, but and and you'll hear from Coach Bo as well. But you know, Jones, this game's a, this is a toss up. Yeah, it really is, and that's why it's in our uh, pick'em slate. Colts taking on the Lions, another game that we'll pick coming up later on. Uh, Colts are at four and two. Lions are at three and three. Um, I don't think the Lions even think they're a playoff team at this point. The Colts still on the verge. They're not out of it yet. Um, but this is kind of a game time of two average or below average teams going head to head here. But much like we said with the Browns and the Raiders, if either one of them have any shot at going into the postseason, you got to win this one. Yeah. I mean, this is like you said, is a must win game, um, for, for both teams. And, and, that's why I think it's such a toss-up that it'll be it'll be one of those games that it wouldn't normally be on my schedule. If you would have told me this game at the beginning of the season should be on my schedule, I would have laughed. Um, but now this is a game I'll be watching. Yeah. Uh, how about the Vikings and the Packers? The G-Men are uh, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home in Lambeau. Nice bounce back for Rodgers last week. Uh, no reason to think uh, Tom, that the uh, Packers aren't going to have another big week again. Yeah, you have to think the you know the Packers after that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. Uh, I wouldn't say questions, Tyler. I wouldn't say a whole lot of questions. You know, a bad game. You have to think they'll bounce back and, and make some noise here. You'd be hard pressed to see the Packers not win this game. Right, uh, in dominating fashion. The Rams taking out of the Dolphins. Uh, Tom, the, the Dolphins, this will be Tua's first start of his career. The Rams coming off that win on Monday Night Football against the uh, Bears there. What do you think about your Rams taking on Tua and company? I'm excited just to see Tua play. Yeah, I'm excited to see Tua play too, and in – the fan of me hope he plays terrible and hope Aaron Donald gets four sacks. Um, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. The Dolphins have playing, been, been playing really well. They smashed the 49ers a couple of weeks ago, and then the Rams lost to the 49ers. I know that it's foolish to think transitive wins in the NFL actually make sense because they don't. Um, but I'm a little nervous for this game. The Miami Dolphins are coming off a of bye week. The Rams are coming off a short week in which I thought they had a really good game against the Browns and the defense – or not the Browns, the really good game against the Bears, the Bears. Um, and, and the defense really showed up when it needed to. Um, this should be – Jones, and I'm biased, this is an underrated game of the week. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, there's plenty of storylines story in this one. Uh, the biggest is going to be how do the Dolphins look with Tua – 
after giving up on Fitzpatrick like that. Uh, that, to me, is going to be, do we see a significant drop-off for a team that is off to their best start in years? Are they going to fall off a whole lot from moving on from Fitzpatrick to Tua? We'll see. Steelers and Ravens, we're going to pick this game uh, later on. It's a damn shame this game's at noon. Uh, this should be a primetime game or at least the late game of some sorts. Second straight week, the Steelers get screwed out of that. Uh, Steelers, Ravens, Tom, uh, both these teams have had good starts to the year, but this is always a great game anyway. No matter what these records are, this has been arguably the best rivalry in the NFL for the last decade or so. And the way things have gone for both these teams here in 2020, um, I have no reason to think that this won't be another good game uh, on Sunday. Yeah, you know, it's going to be a good game, and it's been one of the better rivalries, you know, ever since the uh, Washington team and and the Cowboys have kind of both went to crap. Uh, This has been the, the newest I, I, how would, I don't know if you would call it even newest. I mean, this has been going on for a while, but every time these two teams get together, it gets, Jones, dare I say, violent. Yes. I, it gets violent. And I love it. I This is this is the game. You know, I, I mentioned the Rams-Dolphins, the underrated game of the week. This has to be the game of the week for me. This this has big playoff implications and, and wild card and, and divisional um, implications. But, uh, Jones, this is one of those, and we'll get to this later, but I, I think this is a one-and-one type situation, whether it's the Steelers getting this one and then the Ravens getting them in Pittsburgh or the Ravens winning this one at home and then the Steelers getting them at Heinz Field. Uh, this is one of those games. It, it goes either way, and I, I think the other team ends up getting the next game. Maybe so. Um, I think the matchup to watch for is the Steelers' defense against the Ravens' offense. You got – the best defense in the league in the Steelers uh, going up against that Ravens offense. You got to think the Steelers are going to try to do what the Chiefs did to the Ravens and, uh, you know, really limit Lamar Jackson through the air. If they can do that, the Steelers could win this game on the road. We'll see. Uh, the Chargers taking on the Broncos, an AFC West battle. Uh, the Broncos are just such a hot mess right now. Drew Locke, um, I don't know if he's getting any better anymore. Um, we haven't seen Drew Locke play like the Drew Locke that we saw at the end of last year. Uh, I think he's kind of regressed a bit. Uh, Justin Herbert, meanwhile, has played fantastic. He's had a really good rookie season uh, to this point. The Chargers are better than their record indicates. Tom, I think they get one of those back this week. I, I expect the Chargers to win this, and and uh, they're a three-point favorite. I, I think that they can win by a touchdown or more there at mile high. You know, I think they can too. And and Jones, I think you'll agree with me here. Obviously, Joe Burrow is going to be the rookie of the year. I think he's been incredible for the Bengals. The record doesn't, you know, implicate that necessarily, but just the way that he's shown as a rookie, he shows confidence, he shows a willingness to win. He's been great. But if not for Joe Burrow, if if Joe Burrow's non existent, Justin Herbert to me is the rookie of the year in this case. I mean, he's I, at least in my mind, he, he's played outstanding. And, and Jones, I will say that I, I believe at the beginning of the season and or when he was first drafted, when we got on the next show, I thought we were talking probably some trash on him, that he wasn't going to be any good. And I I think he's got a bright future in this league. I think my uh, the term used was he was a project. 
Uh, so far, he's getting an A on that project right now <laughs> there with uh, the Chargers. Saints taking yeah. on the uh, Bears. We're going to pick this game later on in the show there in uh, Chicago. Um, you know, for the, the Saints, Tom, we know what they're capable of. I think the, this is a game of two different stories here. The Bears have played over their heads. The Saints have kind of underperformed at this point. Something here has got to give. Yeah, something has to give. And and the Saints have won their past two games by three points apiece. And the line, and we'll get to this later, the line is at, I believe, three and a half. Or, no, I believe the line's at four. Um, it's cold weather. It's a cold weather game. And, and some of these teams that play inside, and it, you know, I will say it, it got the, the, the warm weather Rams a couple of years ago. And it's got several other teams that either play inside or have warmer climates. Jones, we're getting into the into the colder weather months where teams go into these northern climates, and and it, it really affects them. Um, and and we may see some of that here. Uh, you know, Bears could bounce back. I think Bears need to bounce back. It's either it's either win or pack it in for Matt Nagy and the Bears. And for the Saints. Uh, the Buccaneers look really sharp, and we'll get to the Buccaneers later, but you had Antonio Brown. Who knows how good that experiment's going to be or not, but you, it can't hurt. Uh, for the Saints, this is, I think, for both these teams, it's a must-win. Yeah, yeah, uh, certainly so. 49ers and Seahawks will pick this game coming up later on in the show. Uh, Tom, the 49ers have played a lot better the last couple of weeks as they've gotten guys more healthy. Seahawks suffered their first loss of the year last week at the hands of Arizona. If if the 49ers really have turn, turned it around, if they're on the right track, they have to prove it in this game right now. Otherwise, uh, it's time to throw it in, throw it in the trash. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think, I mean, I can't even, you put the words right in my mouth. I mean, it, it loses this game and it might be time to throw it in the trash, Jones. Yeah, yeah you have to if you're San Francisco. Uh, Sunday night football, this game is uh, is punishment for the sins of man. The Cowboys and the Eagles, the game is in Philadelphia. Eagles are 2-4-1. and one. Cowboys are 2-5. and five. Battle for first place in the NFC East. Um, I might watch a movie or something Sunday night. Um, I'm going to try to find reasons not to watch this game, Tom. It's a shame that one of these two teams is probably going to have, uh, a home game in the playoffs, but nonetheless, uh, the red rifle traveling to Philadelphia to take on Carson Wentz and company. If I have one positive to say, Carson Wentz played better last week. Granted it was against the giants. Um, I guess I would go the Eagles at home here, but I think that more has to do with how bad the Cowboys even look. Uh, you know, Dak, I think he's earned some money here the last couple of weeks as we've seen that he was actually covering for a lot of the problems that uh, the Cowboys had, that uh, they were even a lot worse than uh, they are with, uh, with Dak. Uh, I mean, they are just a different team right now. They were bad before. They're really bad now, and Mike McCarthy's got to be on the chopping block. Yeah, I, see, and and I'm a a big Cowboys hater. I'm not a, a fan at all of of any 
you know, any team from Dallas besides the Stars. But uh, Mike McCarthy on the chopping block. I'm not ready. I think Dak's injury might have saved him from a first season exit, maybe. Um, and, and, you know, at that point, I it's a toss up at this point. It really, I don't know. We do like Dallas to get coaches played, fired around here, though. We do. And then, you know, I, as, as much as I hate Dallas, Tyler, I kind of like Mike McCarthy. Why? I hate to say it. I don't, I'm not going to lie to you. But why? But why he just, I mean, it's not Jason Garrett. He, he was, you know, if I'm going to have to root for another team other than the Rams and the NFL, it, it's, it's the Packers. It's, it's been that way for a while. I like the Ravens. I like the Ravens when they had Ray Lewis. I don't like the Bengals when they had Chad Ochocinco. Uh, but it's kind of been a, 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 a the same thing year in, year out. I always kind of like to root for the Packers for one smaller market. A big Brett Favre fan, Aaron Rodgers fan. And I said Aaron Rodgers at the beginning. but <laughs> And I know Mike McCarthy had a departure that was not favorable from from the Packers. And the Packers are winning that at this point. But. You know, I think Mike McCarthy gets another year, but if I'm going to just go ahead and outright pick a team, I think the Eagles win this week. Um, the fact that the Cowboys didn't even interview Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, and they end up with McCarthy. I mean, I, I know that they were flirting with Lincoln Riley and wanted to pull all that off. The guy that should have been their head coach is, is on staff in Kansas City right now. That's, to me, that baffles my mind is – how much better they off they would be right now with the enemy. I think they would be uh, a lot better if uh, he was there. But nonetheless, uh, last game, Bucks take on the Giants. First thing with the Bucks, Antonio Brown officially headed to Tampa Bay. Tom, the rich get richer, and we know that he's going to have a short leash. Uh, Antonio Brown is, and he, he'll join the team week nine. So, in what a, a week or two from now, uh, next week is when he'll be eligible to play. Um, not going to play on Monday uh, against the Giants there. But, you know, they, they already lost uh, O.J. Howard for the year. Now you bring in Brown, and you already have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans to go along with Gronk. Um, you know what? Something tells me, and I know that Antonio Brown is just a nut job and, you know, a wacky, you know, wacky guy. But something tells me, Tom, that, you know, this is the end-all, be-all for Antonio Brown. This is his last chance after what went down in New England and Oakland and Pittsburgh. I think, much like we talked about with Le'Veon Bell, you just got to get through 10 to 12 weeks, whatever it is. Same thing here with the Bucks. Can Antonio Brown go 10 to 12 weeks? I mean, he didn't even last three weeks in Oakland in training camp. Um, you know, he got release from uh, the Patriots after a week or two. I think that the Bucks, with knowing that Antonio Brown's at the very end here, I think they can make this work. And if not, they've already proven. They're getting better every single week. I don't think it's the end of the world for the Bucks if Antonio Brown gives them problems for a couple weeks and they have to move on. I, I actually kind of like this risk for the uh, Buccaneers to go ahead and try out Antonio Brown. Uh, especially if that's what Tom Brady wants. I mean, Tom, uh, he, he obviously knows something. He knows Antonio. Here's the thing about Tom Brady, um, and, and this goes back to the Antonio Brown deal. Antonio Brown's going to be fine. 
Um, you know, I, I know he's had his, his issues and, and bigger issues than most, but Tom Brady's a no BS guy. Bruce Arians is a no BS guy. And, and I think those two probably conversated and, and they probably talked about just, just what Antonio Brown had become or, you know, what had happened and probably talked about bringing him on. And, and I think Antonio Brown probably understands, Hey, if I can get with uh, the best quarterback to ever play, maybe I can get my career back on track. And, and, you know, maybe after Tom Brady's done, maybe I can continue on playing. And, and so for him, I think he knows and understands that, Hey, this is my shot. I better not mess it up. And, and I think for the Bucks, they, they understand what they bring to the table that maybe Antonio Brown's not going to be what he once was, but uh, you know, it can't hurt. And, and Chris Godwin, he's not out for the rest of the season by any means, but he did injure his finger and I believe he's out for this week's game, but he'll be back. And I mean, the Bucks just keep adding on. Um, and, and so for them, this is a win. If, if Antonio Brown, you know, acts up, then, then release him. It's, it's kind of a, a, a low risk, high reward type situation here. Yeah. Uh, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, as far as this game goes with the uh, Giants, they're going to be just fine. Uh, Daniel Jones, he'll probably trip up a couple more times. Um, but uh, I expect a big win from the Bucks on a Monday Night Football. Let's uh, transition, talk uh, some Big 12 uh, this week. And uh, looking at these games, and we're going to pick a couple of these in, uh, in the pick'em coming up later on in the show. But uh, let's start out with the uh, the biggest game in the conference, Oklahoma State taking on Texas. And uh, this is a, a game we'll pick. You know, Texas, I, I don't think this team has a shot at the Big 12 title game at this point, but I do think they're playing for Tom Herman's job, and they're playing for pride. Uh, you know, three and two, um, th- this season's not going anywhere for Texas. And I, I think that, you know, they can do a lot for Herman if this team goes out and wins seven or eight more games, you know, before the season. So I guess they can't win seven or eight in this schedule. But, um, you know, if they can rattle off some wins here, that would do a lot towards building momentum for next year and for keeping Tom Herman's job. As far as Oklahoma State goes, um, you're not talking about just Big 12 anymore. This is a college football playoff contender, a college football playoff threat. And I think that we still need to see that Oklahoma State offense take that next step. We know they're capable of it. They have the talent with Chuba Hubbard and with Tylon Wallace. It's just a matter of Spencer Sanders getting to that point of getting this OSU offense that we know and love of what they're capable of doing. That defense is legit. One of the best defenses, not just in the Big 12, but in the country. Um, so those are my two things from this game, Tom. For Texas, they're playing for pride, trying to save Tom Herman's job. For Oklahoma State, um, it's taking those next steps to get this team ready to be a college football playoff contender. Yeah, I think so. And and what this game comes down to is, is really for Oklahoma State is stopping Sam Ellinger from running. Um, Brock Purdy did have a little bit success, maybe not what he's used to, but um, that defense is going to win them games. Um, and, and keep them in games that maybe they should lose over these next six. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's, and, and I'm biased, obviously I'm biased, um, but I, I think it's a real possibility that this team could go undefeated, but you don't go undefeated without taking it one game at a time. And I, 
think that's what they're going to absolutely have to do here against Texas. Uh, Tom Herman, granted his track record, maybe not too great, but he's still no slouch. And in Texas and Oklahoma State, you know, have a underrated rivalry, I guess, over the last couple of years. Oklahoma State's got the better of them in like seven and seven and three in the last 10 matchups. Uh, but, you know, the last time they come to Stillwater, Tom Herman and Mike Gundy almost came to blows. And so for this game, uh, it's really I, – I, Jones, and you might agree with me, I think it's really going to depend on Spencer Sanders, minimize mistakes. He shook, you know, kind of sh- try to shake the rust off against Iowa State, did throw two picks. It's going to come over to the turnover battle. And it's going to come down to, hey, can Oklahoma State turn on this offense? Can they have a statement game here? I think they can. We'll talk about it later on in the show. Uh, Oklahoma taking on Texas Tech. OU back into the top 25 this week, ranked 24th in the land at a 3-2, and 2-2 two, uh, two and two in Big 12 play, Texas Tech at 2-3. and three. Uh, Oklahoma, I really liked last week against TCU that their defense stepped up, that they actually played four quarters of football. What we've seen from this OU defense, Tom, is that they play three really good quarters and then you know, pay, play that bend-don't-break defense in the fourth and let their opponents right back into it. Um, that was the case last season, and that was the case in the first few games this year and cost them against K-State and Iowa State. I think last week was a big step in the right direction for that defense. Spitzer Rattler is coming along nicely. I know that OU fans expected his redshirt freshman year to be a Jameis Winston or a Johnny Menzel or Trevor Lawrence type year. In actuality, I mean, he's having, you know, like a like a Sam Bradford year or, you know, it's better than a Rhett Bomar. All that's fine. He's doing his part. It's a matter of all this coming together. I think OU's only going to get better as this season goes along. I don't see OU having any issues with Texas Tech there in Lubbock on, uh, on Saturday night. No, I don't think so either, but Texas Tech did look uh, a lot better. I, I may, I wouldn't maybe say a lot better, but more encouraging is the term I'm going to use against West Virginia. That Texas Tech team can still score. I don't think Jones that a Texas team Texas Tech team will never not be able to score. Uh, I think OU wins this one pretty handily, but at the same time, I'm going to use a little superstition here. I I don't want to play Halloween Night in Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> and uh, we know about some of the uh, spooky games OU's had with Texas Tech uh, in the past as well. So maybe you bring up a good point there. 11 a.m. in Lawrence, it'll be Iowa State in KU. Uh, KU, second game without Puka Williams as he's opted out. But uh, Les Miles said he expected him to be back in January. Um, didn't see that coming. Iowa State, you know, you look at it. They came very close last week against OSU. Um, you know their special teams let them down. Um, you know Brees Hall was fantastic, and uh, Brock Purdy was was okay, not great last week against Oklahoma State. Um, you know it was kind of like a, a come to, coming to Jesus moment for uh, Iowa State last week, as um, I never thought this team was going to the Big Twelve title game, and just as we started talking about it. It was a reality check. Okay, Iowa State's not going to the Big 12 title game. Um, Iowa State's a good team. They'll have no problems with KU. You know, they're 3-2, and 3-1 and one in Big 12 play. After this game, 
Brock Purdy all time is only going to have two losses in the month of October. I mean, Brocktober is going to be alive and well, and they're going to be talking about it for centuries to come. Um, but, uh, you know, Iowa State, I, I like them. They're a good team, just not a great team. But they'll handle Kansas just fine this weekend. KU, I liked what I saw from Jalen Daniels uh, against K-State last week, their true freshman quarterback. But the rest of the talent around him, oh, it's not good. KU's got a lot of issues in special teams. I mean, that's what's really pathetic about this Kansas team, among many things. But the biggest of those being, when you know you're not good on either side of the ball, special teams is one of those areas that you can control. Special teams, Tom, you know this, it comes down to effort, really. Um, You know, uh, finding a punter and a kicker that do their jobs, then everything else when it comes to tackling and all that is just about effort. And there was no effort there last week. Um, not to have the effort to have a punter not punt it out of bounds, uh, and you know give up those kickoff those punt returns for touchdowns and stuff like that. That's what I need to see from Kansas. Just show some more effort. Clean up the little things. No one's expecting you to beat Iowa State. Just show some more effort and, and some fight out there, and you could gain a little bit of respect. Uh, if you do that, otherwise uh, Iowa State's going to be just fine there at Lawrence on Saturday. Yeah, you would think so, and and I don't see K State pulling anything off. I, you almost think it's time to pack it in for for Kansas and 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 call the season now. I mean, maybe the final nail in the coffin is Puka Williams packing it in. And and again, I don't blame Puka Williams, and I don't think anybody blames Puka Williams for anything. And and it's not with that line, and and just with the abysmal quarterback clay i don't think puka williams was going to have any shot to really do a whole 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 lot anyway but still at the same time it's it's not only talent that's leaving your team it's it's like the candle going out okay it's it's like the candle being blown out and it's not one of those cool birthday candles that relight not this season and for less miles you pack it in almost and, and thank God that it's a, a a season like it has been. Uh, Iowa State, I, I think, gets back right this this week. And and I said it before, and you said, "Oh, Tom, that's a low blow," but I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, you're you're not wrong. Uh, a couple more for you. Sixteen K State taking on West Virginia. This will be a pick'em game later. Uh, you know. K-State, Tom, with Will Howard, their true freshman, uh, starting at quarterback, he's passed every test to this point. But you you want to talk about spooky environments and all that, going into Morgantown against West Virginia here, um, that's a tough test. I know West Virginia's not great. You know, they're 3-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in Big 12 play. Uh, but for K-State, a team that still thinks they're going to the Big 12 title game, um, this is a trap game. I mean, they're an underdog, uh, quite frankly, come Saturday. You know, Morgantown's no, no, no easy place to play. Um, and, and for K-State, you take what you can get with the, with a true freshman and each game that you win under Will Howard is, is a step in the right direction. But, uh, I mean, just like, oh, you had and, and Spencer Rattler's not even a true freshman, but, uh, every game you get out of that quarterback that doesn't have a whole lot of experience. You just thank the Lord above for, 
Um, and, and so for K-State, is the time clock ticking on them? Is it this week? Is it next week against Oklahoma State? Is it the next week against Iowa State? Is it? Is at least is? Am I am I wrong to think it's at least one or two here? The the losses are going to show up eventually. Uh, you know the luck's got to run out for K State at some point. I think it'll be sooner rather than later. Um, you know, right now, Tom, I I would still uh, say I like my chances of an OU OSU Big Twelve title game right now. And I know they're going to face each other and such, but. Um, I think this is still where this is headed. Uh, you know, K-State, I know they're undefeated in conference play. Iowa State's got one loss, but I still think we're headed that direction. Yeah, I think so. And, and you'd be hard-pressed not to think it that way um, just, just because of what we've seen. Uh, I mean, this OU team, and, you know, I know it's not we're not necessarily on the OU actual game, but – at the same time, it's it's like, okay, what do we expect from this OU team? I didn't expect two losses, but now from what I've seen, I do expect OU to either lose one more, which I guess could cost them eventually in the end, or they could, there's, I mean, they could win out. Uh, and I, you know, I, I hate to say that, um, but it's, it's reality. Yeah. Uh, last Big 12 game, TCU and Baylor. Uh, TCU's 1-3, Baylor's 1-2. and two. Uh, The game is in Waco. Tom, I don't have a good feel for this game at all. Uh, neither one of these teams are that impressive. Uh, I would guess I would go with the senior quarterback at home and Charlie Brewer here, but uh, both these teams got a lot of problems right now. Yeah, they do, and, and this is going to be – I don't know what type of the game this is going to be. For Baylor – uh, I mean, at this point, you scrap the season anyway. Uh, I think you really do, just because this is not the season Dave Aranda expected, and and I don't think this is the season that we should take a sample size from Dave Aranda. Uh, I think it's you know it's Baylor being Baylor, but I, I don't think you can just outright blame um, Dave Aranda for this. However, I do think you can put Gary Patterson on the hot seat. Ooh. I don't know if I'm willing to step that far, but I do get where you're coming from uh, as far as that goes. Tom, uh, that wraps up the Big 12 discussion. We'll have our picks coming up later on in the show. But right now, Jared Sutton set to join us. We'll talk about the NBA in Kansas City, also some college hoops and some NBA draft discussion as well as Jared Sutton joins us next on the Jones Report. Joining us now, the Jones Report this week, it is Midwest Regional Scout for the New Orleans Pelicans, also college basketball analyst. It is Jarrett Sutton who is here with us today. Jarrett, appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, joining us, man. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for having me, man. Good to be with you. Always, Jarrett. Uh, I know that you've been on the forefronts as far as this campaign for many years now to try to bring the NBA to Kansas City, and this week... Uh, things are moving along, I guess, another step or two closer with this situation involving the Raptors. Tell us about what's uh, going on there, man. Exciting time, really, for, for Kansas City, and I would say the, the Midwest uh, region, too, and, and, and markets that surround Kansas City. Um, just with this thought of, of the Raptors relocating for a year uh, here to Kansas City and Really, everything taking place with the travel ban in Canada uh, and the Canadian government is really why the Raptors are 
looking at um, a market in the United States to play their home games. And a lot of this stems from the NBA season and the calendar season starting December the 22nd. Uh, that is the push from the NBA. There's a proposal out to the NBA Players Association that the Board of Governors agreed to this past Friday. And that's really what kind of has started this conversation because, you know, with the Raptors not having the ability to have, you know, opposing teams travel to Canada, they have to have games in the States. And really, it started last week with the, the there was a tweet about Louisville. And when I read it, I just thought, to me, that there was, there was a lot of smoke and mirrors to it. I just, I, the, what I know about Louisville, and I've, I've gathered a lot of information over the last two years um, with our NBA executive committee here in Kansas City that is looking behind the scenes of, of trying to get as much information as possible. We've, we've looked at ownership groups. We've really talked a lot about expansion. But in this case, with the, the thought of a one-year sort of rental test run for Kansas City to talk about a bigger picture like expansion, it really is, is something that we're, we're thrilled for. Um, and I think Kansas City is a market that would open the Raptors with open arms. We have an NBA-ready facility here in Kansas City. Um, it is vacant. It is open for games and practices. And I think it would be a good good op- op- opportunity for the NBA to really hone in on new viewership, new eyeballs to the league uh, and an untapped market like Kansas City, but also the, these markets like you know Des Moines and Omaha and Wichita, Lawrence, Springfield, Columbia, even into St. Louis as we go east. There's a lot of markets um, that, could, that could really bring a, a new TV viewership to the league that I, I think is really appealing. Uh, for down the road. And, and we saw this with Oklahoma City. Uh, they had the New Orleans Hornets at the time during Katrina. They housed them for a year, and it was very much a test run. And obviously Oklahoma City got the Sonics and more of a relocation, and I think for Kansas City it's going to have to be more expansion than relocation. But we'll see. You know, And, and I, I hate to say this, but in a, a year like 2020 with a pandemic, with so much that has gone on and everybody that's had to really adjust to, to the pandemic in a way, we're seeing the NBA do that. We're seeing the Raptors do that. And in, in many ways, it's going to benefit Kansas City, uh, possibly, not just in the, in the short term, but in the long term, possibly as well. So there's plenty of things to dissect in all this. The first of those being, as far as for the Kansas City sports fan, if they get the Raptors for the year, Jarrett, I mean, you talk about the product that's going to be out there. The Raptors just won the NBA championship, what, two years ago? And right. they were contending for the East this past year, even without Kawhi Leonard, with him moving on. I mean, if they come to Kansas City, we're talking about a team that has shot to win the title this next season. I mean, that's going to be some great basketball played. Uh, and I'm sure the Kansas City fans would be quick to jump on the bandwagon and support the Raptors. Uh, I don't know what capacity would be like with the pandemic, uh, but you know, Sprint, the uh, T-Mobile Center, it's still going to take me a while to get rid of saying Sprint Center. <laughs> me too. Um, you know, seats, what, 19,000? I mean, you're still going to have a decent crowd uh, no matter what uh, that I think would have no problem supporting the Raptors, even in normal circumstances here. I mean, that would be a good product and should uh, have some uh, a good fanfare involved here for uh, for borrowing the Raptors for a bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think we, we've seen that, look, Kansas City is a, a proven sports town. I mean, I'm obviously biased with that. I'm born and raised in Kansas City. Um, you know, I, I understand this, this town from a professional sports market and a collegiate sports market as well. Uh, you, you have to talk about both just because of the schools that surround Kansas City, and it, it touches multiple conferences in college basketball. I do think the NBA is a completely different product than college basketball. Um, I am a huge college basketball fan. I obviously – 
uh, in my day-to-day job with the Pelicans. I, I cover college basketball at the Collegiate Scout. Um, but I, I'm very aware, too, of, of the NBA game and the product that could come to Kansas City. And, and, and just this, the, I think for sports fans here, you know, they know the NBA. I think there's a lot of people now that follow the NBA as opposed to what it was like in the 80s when the Kings left Kansas City. It's a completely different uh, quality of, of, of support for basketball in general, just the sport in general in Kansas City. But now we're talking about the NBA coming here, and I think fans are really going to get to see it uh, of what, especially like you touched on, a, a good quality team. Nick Nurse, the head coach, has you know, born, and, born and raised in Iowa. So he's got Midwest ties. He's a coach of the year last year. I mean, this is a really good organization, top to bottom. And for them to come to Kansas City, and, and the thought is having fans in T-Mobile Arena for games, I mean, this has just took, took such a, uh, taken such a pivot for Kansas City to, to talk about the NBA, not just in the short term, again, long term. I think this is still bigger picture. But I think fans are really going to be able to have that taste of the NBA, and I'm so excited to what that could bring this city in a year of, of just the excitement around the NBA to where hopefully we're talking about a bigger picture. But the Raptors coming here would be a – really a, a blessing in that effort. And I think it's, it's got a lot of moving parts. It's got a lot of legs to it. There's still details being ironed out. Uh, but I, I would think that, that the league and the Raptors and the NBA Players Association is moving very quickly to get this done in the next week or two um, and see where we're at. Because I, 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 from my belief and where, where, what I'm hearing is the season will start December 22nd, which means December 1 is training camp. And you've got to be ready to go. You've got to have that schedule in place. And so the, these things are moving quickly, and, and hopefully we're talking about this as a, a real thing that's happening in Kansas City with the NBA returning here as a relocation. Yeah, uh, for sure. And you know, we, we're seeing that uh, you know it looks like that everybody's going to be traveling, uh, you know, for the this upcoming NBA season, much like what Major League Baseball pulled off. Uh, no bubble, at least to begin the year anyway. Uh, Kansas City would, would be fantastic. I'm all in on the idea of the Raptors, and, and, and the support is there. We mentioned the fan base. Um, you know, we've seen Quentin Lucas. He has been very vocal about this, that he loves the idea of hosting it. I mean, this is about the only thing that I think Republicans and Democrats around here can agree on is, uh, <laughs> right. you know, bringing this together. I, I just love everything about this. Uh, of And to set things up for the future, you mentioned for an expansion franchise, uh, Oklahoma City was the model. Uh, they pulled this off for two years. Now you do this in Kansas City here. Uh, this can send a statement to the rest of the league if if this goes off uh, successfully here, what this can do. Uh, I mean, Kansas City is already, I think, uh, you know, one of the favorites to get a team down the line, but you can kind of move yourself up maybe a little more in the ladder by having this one-year rental of sorts here. Can can speed up the process a bit if this works out. Absolutely. You know, Kansas City's already been talked about, um, and, and it, it's always been a, an expansion, relocation. What will it be first? And Seattle is in the conversation. Las Vegas is in the conversation. You know, I think Vancouver uh, really wants to have a team back. Obviously, they had the Grizzlies, and there's talk of them. There's talk of Louisville. But when you look at, you know, just overall the situation right now at hand, um, you know, it eliminates Las Vegas and Seattle from just a geographic component of this. Um, Louisville, it's just not ideal situation. I mean, they still have the Louisville Cardinal in the Yum Center playing games. Um, And then the big thing, too, is the practice facility, the ability to practice. Uh, for a team and you know I think when you look at T-Mobile Center 
it, it is a, a arena that is going to open that up to the team, to the Raptors, to have game fan practice. They'll be able to have that. And I have, I mean, you've been in, you know, formerly Sprint Center, now T-Mobile Center. I played in the T-Mobile Center back when I was at Mizzou. It is a state-of-the-art facility still. Does it need upkeep? Yes. But, I mean, locker rooms, um, training rooms, coaching offices, uh, just the, the arena itself, how it's designed, it is designed like a professional venue uh, with the thought back when they opened in 2007 that it would bring a tenant like the NBA or the NHL. And it has looked at the NHL before uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Phoenix Coyotes. Uh, but really, you break, you break it down and you peel back the onion, Kansas City has not really looked at the NBA at all. And that's something that I really looked into for the last two years is Kansas City did not know much about the NBA. They didn't really look outside the box of they just kind of thought, as is, as is most people in Kansas City, that there was this narrative that we couldn't support an NBA franchise and that, you know, we make so much money off concerts at Sprint Center and T-Mobile. And when you really, you know, shut those narratives down and you realize, wait a second, Kansas City's in a completely different light and it's actually viewed that way by the league outside of Kansas City, that's a good thing. And we need to sell that. We need to embrace that and get behind that. And I feel like that is what this wave is. There's this momentum. Yes, as you know, if Patrick Mahomes touches anything, it turns to gold. It always helps when, you know, the former league MVP is behind this. And this is similar to what Russell Wilson is doing in Seattle as well with their expansion effort in Seattle. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, I love it. And the, the big question, uh, and then we'll move on to this. i got some other things to talk about, uh, Jared. Uh, the, the last thing on this NBA to Kansas City thing is the, the big question that's been out there for years has been, well, who's going to be an owner for this? If, if you get a team down the line, who would be an owner? Well, out of nowhere, the Royals found a new local owner in John Sherman, which no one saw coming, was totally out of left field. I would think that in the NBA, if, if, if we are serious about bringing a team to Kansas City, if this works out, the Raptors come in and this is a good run, and an expansion franchise is interested, we could find a way. We can find somebody, put an ownership group together of some sorts here. Am, am I being overly optimistic here, or, or do you think this is easier than what it's made out to be as far as finding an owner for Kansas City down the line? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're speaking my language. Uh, I, I think, the, you know, anytime you talk about NBA expansion, Kansas City, ownership always gets brought up, and it should. Obviously, you have to have a local ownership group. You don't have to have an ownership group, though. You don't have to have a local ownership group, I should say. There, there are, you know, means to getting an owner to make this happen as well. You want it to be a local owner if you can get that. And I would say this. I think there are plenty of options in Kansas City that we've uncovered. Um, obviously, can't name names, but I, I, do, I do think there is legit interest locally to own an NBA franchise should that time come for expansion. And I do think there are people with the means to do that, that understand the excitement around the NBA, uh, what that can do from an investment standpoint, from an ownership perspective. And look, it doesn't need to be one person either. I mean, this is, you're looking at $2.5 billion in expansion fees. That's, that's going to need to be a group. Um, and, you know, as we saw with the Royals, you can have a lot of minority owners that can get behind it. Uh, I do think Patrick Mahomes has to be involved in anything when we talk NBA. We're seeing that with him right now in, in being a voice behind this Raptors discussion. I think he's going to be a bigger voice down the road. And hopefully, I mean, he's a huge NBA fan. We see that. He's a huge sports fan in general. But I do think Patrick, you know, needs to be, be behind it if we can, we can do that. And I, I don't think it just needs to be Patrick. I do think there's some other names locally in the business community uh, that, that want to see this happen as well and would love to be behind it. So 
those those efforts, I think, escalate if the Raptors come to Kansas City. I think it's a test run for our fans. It's a test run for the league to show that we can do this. But I also think it's going to bring some more momentum on this ownership conversation. And we are still having that discussion. Uh, I, I do think this just kicks it into overdrive a little bit that hopefully even more people emerge as something now, if, if it's a success, they want to get behind this. They see the growth of this. They see what this can bring the city. We have an arena ready downtown. And the, since I've been in high school, we've always talked about a tenant in Kansas City mm-hmm. in that arena. And we can do that if we can, can continue to have that momentum build and we can get the Raptors here as that test run. It would escalate this in, in a big way in, in all phases for this, this, this discussion around expansion. Oh, no question. And, you know, the you mentioned earlier about the – the idea, well, you have concerts and all that stuff all the time. Last time I checked, that's that's not going on right now. Uh, that, that's that's kind of right. quieted down that's a little right. bit here. Uh, the Raptors, it's all yours. You can have it if uh, you want to come, and hopefully it uh, lays the groundwork for a team in the future. That would be uh, incredible to see. Jared, uh, let's move on talk some college basketball here. We're, what, about a month away from this thing getting going here. And uh, this college basketball season, much like how college football has been very makeshift and a lot of changes, this college basketball season going to be the same way. Uh, we're already seeing uh, schedules just kind of go you know, through the roof. I think KU is now on their third different opening night opponent. They're going to play Gonzaga. <laughs> it was Boise State, and it was Kentucky. Still going to play Kentucky, but that, that gets pushed back here. Um, tell me about just the college basketball season as a whole. I mean, this is quite the challenge that these coaches have ahead of themselves, much like the rest of the sports world, too, in adapting to these uh, times that are in front of us here. No question. Yeah, you know, it's. I was really curious to see how college football handled everything, and, and they're doing a great job. I mean, obviously positive tests are going to come. Um, you're going to have to adjust. You're going to have to, you know, fight through that. Um, I think basketball is a little different because, obviously, games are – or played in an arena uh, and rosters are, are not like they are in college football. You're looking at, you know, 13, 14 guys on a, on a college basketball roster, especially if you, you know, lose one of your, your bigger players, it's, it's a big hit when you talk about basketball. So that's going to be the, the adjustment I think for coaches. Um, but they're, they're really aware of it. I've, I've really looked into uh, the upcoming season. I've talked to a lot of different coaches around college basketball and they're, they are trying to finalize those schedules. That's been the biggest thing uh, is trying to get that done um, we saw the cancellations in Orlando um, and just trying to adjust, as, as I've said before, um, just in regards to what we're, we're dealing with. Everybody's dealing with it. College basketball is the same way. We're dealing with that on the NBA front right now. Uh, as, and, you know, when we're looking at the schedule and trying to start in December, it's adjusting everything for teams. It's adjusting the draft, free agency and beyond. Uh, it, it's different. So I think with college basketball, I mean, there's, there's some really good teams. First of all, there's a lot of returners. Um, you know, those guys that were part of this, this, this upcoming 2020 draft that probably could have been draft picks and they returned to college uh, because they didn't have an opportunity to work out for teams and they wanted more of an opportunity to, to, to sell themselves, maybe increase their draft stock and the right decision to, to go back to college. So I'm glad there's a season taking place. Um, I, I think, you know, college basketball is, is itching to have a season and having an NCAA tournament, most importantly, since they didn't have that to close the previous season. They, that is prior, that's priority one probably for college basketball and the coaches in particular. Um, so we'll see how this goes. I'm excited about it, though. I'm optimistic that the season, you know, will go well, but there will be adjustments. There will be cancellations. There will be, you know, rescheduled games. I think that's going to happen. Um, and I think we're used to that now. I think we've, we've, we've understood that's, that's just what we're going to have to deal with. We're going to have to fight through that. Everybody's dealing with it, so it's not an excuse, and we move forward. So I'm excited about the season. 
And I think, you know, locally too, I mean, there's, there's some really good teams with, with Kansas. I think Creighton's got a really good team coming back. You got Iowa in the picture, um, you know, some, some really good teams. And then locally Baylor, um, you know, with a lot of guys back with Jared Butler back. So it, it's going to be a fun college basketball season. Yeah, uh, certainly will be. And I think it should be easier to make up games in college basketball as opposed to college football, because you could play it multiple times in a week and, and have that. Uh, but with only 12 or 13 guys on a roster, uh, if one guy gets COVID, then everybody's isolating for two weeks, the entire team. That's where uh, you take you know in that into account as opposed to maybe the, the college football end of things of, of just a few guys isolating as far as that goes. But uh, looking at Kansas, uh, the Jayhawks coming off a spectacular season last year, no Udoka, no Devon Dotson. Uh, Silvio de Souza, of course, opted out uh, as well. But even with that being said, you bring in Bryce Thompson, one of the top recruits in the country, and already have a local kid in Ochai and Marcus Garrett and uh, you know another local guy and and uh, Christian Brown and and uh, you know there, there's a lot of talent as there always is with Kansas and and as uh, Bill Self says all the time, you know uh, players change but expectations don't. It seems like this Kansas team is is stacked once again, uh, even after losing uh, a pretty decent amount from last season. No question. I think, you know, Bill Self says it best, right? I mean, those expectations aren't going to change at Kansas. Um, you know, Bryce, getting Bryce Thompson is, is, a, is, a, is a good thing for this program. He's a high IQ player. Um, you know, I think he's, he's a guy that's got a lot of speed. He competes at a high level for a freshman. And as you know, when, when you're a freshman at, at Kansas, you know, you better compete and you better compete defensively. Uh, I think Christian Brown would tell you that that's how you get on the floor and that's how you, you, you get minutes. Um, and I think Christian Brown, you know, it's a guy that, that really surprised some people last year, and I think he's got an even better chance to be a, a really good piece of this team. He had a great offseason. Um, you know, and I think he's a guy that's a sneaky athlete, got good size, can shoot it, uh, can handle it. He's got some toughness to him. But I think this team is really going to be uh, centered around Marcus Garrett and Ochai Baji. I, I, I think Ochai has to break through for this team. Uh, he is an unbelievable athlete. We've seen it in spurts with him. He can shoot it. Um, you know, I'm biased. He went to my high school, so I'm a big Ochai fan in general. Uh, obviously, everybody knows he's a great kid, great person. Most importantly, he's a high-character culture builder for this program. Uh, but I, I think for him, it's all about the confidence, uh, knowing his role, embracing his role. You know, he's an older player now. Uh, he's, he's got that leadership component to him. He's got to be that guy with Devon gone and Dope gone. Um, and he's just got to be more, more aggressive. And the jump shot's got to be consistent. He's a late bloomer. Uh, but but he is a very talented player. Then Marcus Garrett, obviously best defender in the country. Uh, but can he be more than that? I, I see this guy being more of a Rajon Rondo type of player. He's going to be playing more of the point guard role. You're going to see a little bit more from Marcus Garrett, I think, um, particularly playmaking, being able to play out of the pick and roll. Uh, he's going to be in a different role, but being a, a good passer for this team, getting guys shots, being able to shoot the ball. He doesn't have to be an elite shooter. He's got to be an adequate shooter. He's got to be able to make shots. He's disruptive in the lane. Uh, but if teams are going to give him open jump shots, he's got to be able to make def- defenses pay. If he can do that, that's such a benefit to Kansas. But David McCormick has got to be a big piece of this team, too, now. Doke's gone. Uh, you know this. Kansas bigs, they, they, they have to have a big man presence in that paint. And I think David McCormick can be that. He's not going to be Udoka Azabuke, and he shouldn't have that mentality to try to fill Udoka Azabuke's shoes because those are some big shoes to fill, quite literally and figuratively. <laughs> so, But, uh, you know, I, I think David is a, is a guy that, really can do some things defensively. I think he's going to provide more versatility for Kansas offensively. 
uh, and the ability to, to, to step away from the basket a little bit, make a 15-foot jump shot, be able to still pick and roll, get to the rim, finish around the rim, play with some reckless abandon. But most importantly, he's got to bring it defensively, rebound the ball at a high level. Uh, and then Jalen Wilson and Tristan and Aruna are two guys that, that I think can add to this team. Tristan is a, an NBA-caliber athlete, great size. Um, I think he's got a chance, too, to, to be a shooter, three-way level scorer, defender, um, he's got to continue to have that, that physicality to him. You know, most, most, European, most European players, that takes time. Um, and so I think if he brings that level of toughness, he already has that skill and IQ, but the physicality needs to match that on both ends of the floor. Um, but, again, this is a team that's got versatility, that they got pieces, uh, and I don't think they should skip a beat. I, I think they're going to be right there at the top of college basketball. And, you know, when, you, when you're talking about Bill Self leading the charge, one of the best coaches in the country – uh, and I, I think this team's going to be ready to compete come January, February, March for a chance to win a championship. We're talking to Jared Sutton here on the Jones Report this week. And as a talent evaluator, Jared, uh, I imagine for you looking at this Kansas team, um, you, you got to get just a little excited to see what these guys are going to do down the line. I mean, you got Marcus Garrett, who you mentioned, you know, like a, like a Rondo. I mean, just a terrific defender. That will translate. Uh, Ochai Abaji, I mean, that's an NBA guard there in Ochai. I mean, everything, you know, he, he's built to play in the league. Um, you know, McCormick, you know, he'll be an NBA player. Uh, I mean, Bryce Thompson, a, a one-and-done or two-and-done type talent here. I mean, we're, we're talking about some legit NBA talent on this Kansas squad, maybe more so than on previous years. I mean, it, it seems like that Bill Self, uh, as of late, has had, you know, maybe a – an NBA guy or two, uh, but never, you know, four or five guys that were all ready to come out to the draft, uh, you know, right away. I mean, there's some potential talent that could be, you know, multiple guys drafted in uh, the first or second round and next year's draft that are on this year's squad, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I think Ochai and and Marcus uh, definitely jump off the page as as draft prospects and Bryce as well. You know, it's, it's always tough with a freshman, you know, you, you, you see it when they get to campus, there's a lot of hype around them. Uh, but it, it, that freshman year, it can, it can go, you know, it's kind of all over the map. I mean, I've seen very talented fresh freshmen that coming into college, they're highly ranked, highly touted, and they really struggle because uh, they can't adapt. They can't adjust. Uh, they, they're not used to the level of coaching at the college level. They're used to kind of roll the balls out, just depend on their athletic ability uh, or their natural skill set, and then it catches up with them. And they really have a hard time adjusting to the competitiveness, physicality, uh, and, the, and just the overall toughness of, of a league like the Big 12. Um, so that, that takes time. And so we'll see what happens with Bryce. But I, I do think Marcus and, and Ochai are, are, are two guys that are on everybody's radar, and Bryce as well. I think another thing is, is Tristan and Aruna is probably in this conversation as well. I mean, you just can't teach size, shooting, uh, and IQ, um, you know, I know a lot is made of Tristan and, and Svi Mikhailuk wasn't that long, you know, a Euro player like Svi was, was lighting up, torching nets and, and doing things defensively and really good player. And, 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 you know, Svi is doing a nice job at the NBA level. I, I still think he's a guy that, you know, if he gets the right opportunity, he, he can make the most of it. He's shown it in spurts at the NBA level. Uh, he's a very skilled player, but it took him time. You know, the Kansas staff will tell you that it took Svi a long time to get through that hurdle. Same thing goes with Tristan. So I think he's in this conversation. And I, I do think, you know, I, I think the sleeper in all this is Christian Brown um, because I do think Christian is 
underrated as an athlete. I think he's more athletic than, than most anyone thinks. I think the staff would tell you the same thing. Um, he showed some things last year even that I, I didn't think he could do. Um, obviously, the, the shot is there. He, he had to get his, his release much quicker. Uh, I think that's something that he's worked on this offseason. But his activity defensively, I mean, this kid is unbelievably confident. He's got basketball in his, in his genes, his family. You know, his mom was a great player at Missouri. Um, his dad played at, it was a walk on at Kansas. I mean, they, they have basketball in their blood. His brother's at Missouri uh, at, at the other side of the, the, the state uh, in Columbia. So, um, you know, I, I think when you, when you look at this team, yes, they, they do have NBA talent. Um, but I, I do think Christian's kind of a sneaky guy. Uh, no, I don't know if it's going to be next year. It, it could be down the road. But uh, he's jumping on radars, too, just with, with his, his ability to play hard and impact the game on both ends of the floor as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jarrett, you know, one of the big things that's going to be glaring over this Kansas program is this NCAA situation and just waiting when that uh, punishment from the NCAA will be handed down here. Um, you know, we, we know that this was, you know, you know, glaring over the Kansas program last year, and yet they still put that aside and went on to be the number one team in every poll by the end of the uh, season. Uh, what do you think as far as this year, as far as handling things go? It, it, did Do you think that last year, if the, the team going through that and putting that aside will uh, be similar to this year? Do you think that they can put those distractions, what's going on with that, aside and, and, and focus on basketball going through uh, this situation heading into this year? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, this is uh, – I, I think with, with Kansas, it's, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the Andy Reid line of, of eliminate distractions. Bill Self will say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> it, will not be, it, it will not be a distraction for, for this team. And, you know, they went with, through this last year. Uh, they also went through the, the Silvio DeSosa stuff uh, with K-State and, and that situation. I think that was a little bit of a distraction at the time. And they fought through that too. Uh, so, you know, this is a group that's well-coached. Uh, it's a good locker room. Uh, it's got a good leadership that has, has returned. Uh, Marcus Ochai will, will lead with their example, probably their voice a little bit more this year as well. Um, and I, I don't expect it to be uh, any sort of distraction because it's never been. Uh, and, and Bill Self has, you know, had to face adversity before, uh, you know, in, in, in an array of ways, whether that's injuries or things going on with the NCAA or, or anything that, that's taking place. He's always locked in on his team and, and focused on, on his team winning the day, whether that be in a practice or in a game. Um, and so, I mean, this is a Hall of Fame head coach, so he'll have his team ready. I don't see any distractions coming. I'm sure there will be things that come out uh, pertaining to the NCAA and Kansas and everything going on with that, uh, that side of the, the operation that, that I, you know, I hate getting into. It's a part of it. It's out there. It's lingering. It's, it's the elephant in the room, so it will have to be addressed at some point. But I don't see it being a distraction for this team because I, I think this is a group that, stick, that sticks together, and I do think it has a lot to do with the coaching and it has to do with that locker room and the guys in it. Yeah, uh, for sure. A couple more things, then we'll let you run, Jared. Uh, NBA draft-wise, uh, with these, these Kansas players from this past class, we mentioned Devon Dodson, Yudoka uh, Hazabuki, you know, some of those guys. Where do you see them possibly being picked up uh, in the draft? I know that uh, you're you're looking at players for the Pelicans and such here. Where do you think uh, those guys fall in this draft, and potentially where a good fit may be for those guys in the NBA? Well, I'll start with Devon uh, Dotson. Uh, Devon is a, as Kansas fans know, uh, great speed, uh, underrated as a defender. 
I think he can really defend. I know he's undersized for his position. This is a very good draft pertaining to point guard play. Uh, Devon is a guy that showed he could score the ball. There's a lot of questions pertaining to his jump shot. Uh, I think he has showed really well in, in workouts. Uh, we are now able to see video. Uh, obviously, it's a tough time because we're, we're not allowed to have players work out in our facility, um, and it's, it's really difficult for us to go to workouts as well because uh, we're limited on what we can do. But we can look at video, and we've been able to see that Devon's put in a lot of time, and, and he has had uh, a lot of, of, of really good comments coming from his agents and from the people that he's working out with, players that he's working out with as well. Um, and I think Devon is, is really intriguing because he does provide a, a unique ability to have the ball in his hands, and really he's a blur in transition when he's got it going. And I do think he is a tough physical guard. He reminds me a little bit of Frank Mason and his ability to finish around the rim and score the ball and play with some pace and be able to counter, be able to finish with both hands, similar to what Frank did. Uh, at his time in Kansas, and Frank and, and Devon are different players in, in, in ways, but they compete, they put the time in, they work hard, they want it, uh, and Devon knows what's out there. They, he knows what the, the comments are pertaining to him and his draft stock, but I think he's really done a great job since he left Kansas to where we are now to make the most use of the time during the pandemic, and then in his workouts leading in, uh, knowing he's had to adjust as well uh, of getting ready for the draft, but I think he's in a really good place. I could see him, you know, in that second round anywhere from, you know, 40 to 60. I think that's his range right in there. He could go higher. You know, that depends on team need and what's out there. Odoka Azubuke provides an elite ability to rebound the ball, to rim run hard. He showed that he can stay in physical top shape for him. When he's in elite shape, he is, he is great. He is a physical, physical big man. He dominated college basketball around the rim. Well, he shot over 70% for his career. He can go catch anything. You throw it up around the rim, he's going to go get it. He's great in pick and roll. But what he showed last year is the ability to guard on the perimeter. As a big man, he had to show that last year. He was not on anybody's radars, really, unless he showed that he could switch in a, in a ball screen, be able to guard the perimeter, be able to provide some resistance, move his feet laterally, and be athletic and not get injured and stay on the floor, stay out of foul trouble. And he did that. So I think he's in this second-round conversation. He's probably anywhere from 45 to 60 as well. Again, he's not a modern big man. He's more of a traditional big man. That's still needed in our game. You know, he can be a second line, come in the game, rebound, try to get every rebound he can, screen, pick and roll, lob to the rim, play off of elite guard play, and find a role. He's got to stay in great shape. He's got to stay healthy. But there is a place for him now in our league. I do think he's a second-round pick. I think he's more of a backup big. But I, I believe that Udoka has a place in our league. There you have it. Uh, you don't catch a bookie. Uh, he, he, I'm excited for him and I think he'll have a, a very good career in the league. Uh, when you look at the draft overall, a lot of talent uh, in, in this year's draft. It seems like a, a deep class. Tell me about uh, what you think of just this 2020 NBA draft class as a whole as uh, the draft's coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. I think we're having a November draft, but it is a it is a draft that has great rotational pieces. And when I say that, you know, second-line unit-type players, key reserve-type players, potential for guys to possibly be, you know, in that starter conversation. But I do think when we, we've had so much time to break down this draft class, uh, which has been good, um, you know, it's, it's been different. It's been unique. We haven't had those workouts like I talked about. We've been able to do a lot of virtual Zoom player interviews. 
So we've been able to get a, a good perspective uh, of just how these guys operate. And I will say this is a high-character draft class. There's a lot of good dudes in this draft class. I've been blown away with the interviews because uh, there's been so many good interviews that we've had. Um, and we've been able to interview a lot of guys, and that's been good. Uh, so I, <clears throat> I think when you look at this draft, you know, it's from, from the point guard to, to the center, I think those, those two positions, there's a lot of depth there. Um, I do think from a small forward, power forward, there's some good depth there. But I think from just point guard, combo guard to center, there's a lot of depth there. Um, so it's, it's, it, I think the board's coming together nicely. Um, you know, it, it's really unique of where the top of the draft is, what gets talked about. There's no real home run, you know, selection there. We drafted Zion Williamson, you know, number one overall. John Morant followed it, too. That was pretty much a lock going into the draft. Those two guys, it was solidified. I, I don't think there was any other discussion about it. Now there's way more discussion at the top. These trade rumors are seeping in now. Which you know isn't uh, isn't uh, something that I was shocked by, but um, we'll we'll see what happens as we we get closer to that November 18th draft. It's going to be a good draft. I do think there's going to be quite a bit of movement in this draft, but I, I do think it's a solid group. Every draft it brings its its uniqueness to it. Every draft, I I, I don't want to ever look at a draft as being a bad draft because there's always going to be a player that comes out of any draft that changes an organization for the better. Doesn't mean that they're going to be some core superstar player. But they can add, I always bring up Malcolm Brogdon, Fred Van Vliet, who went undrafted. There's all these players out there that can change your organization, even if they're not at the top of the draft. Yeah, uh, no question about it. And uh, your team that you work with, the Pelicans, they got a new head coach in uh, Stan Van Gundy, who has a great track record in the NBA. I thought he was an excellent hire uh, for, for you guys. Very excited for you. And also excited for Zion, who you mentioned there. I mean, Van Gundy. The bigs that he's worked with, from Dwight Howard to Blake Griffin, I mean, he's got a good track record with those guys. Should be fun to see what he does with a Zion there. Uh, you, you guys got a bright future there in New Orleans, it seems. First and foremost, a great track record as it pertains to player development with young players. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to say that we're a young roster because, you know, we're into now year two with our administration and, and our group, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's time for our guys to take another step forward. Uh, we saw that with Brandon Ingram. Last year, um, as the, the most improved player in the league, uh, he was an all-star for us. He had a great year. Uh, obviously, Zion had some, some setbacks with the injuries. Um, we really had to be careful with Zion throughout the year and then dealing with the shutdown and the revamp period uh, and what life was like in the bubble for us. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was a long year for Zion, but I thought he showed what he's capable of. And I think what, what we get with Stan, too, I mean, he's had a great track record um, as a winner. You know, he's got a, a great winning percentage during the regular season and a good, you know, above 500 playoff winning percentage as well. So he knows how to win in our league. He's got that track record. Um, I think he's committed to what we need, and, and that is a, a defensive-minded, toughness, uh, accountability type of guy. Uh, you touched on the player development with Biggs. It's not just Zion. It's also Jackson Hayes. You know, most, most uh, you know, local college basketball fans will know that name. Jackson was at Texas. Uh, Texas has had a great track record of, of NBA centers that are now in our league. Uh, Jackson showed – what he can do as an athlete, as a, as a modern NBA big man. He had some great moments. He also had some moments of growth last year, and, and I think he saw what he needs to really work on. He's out in Los Angeles working right now on, on his development, uh, trying to stretch the floor more, being able to shoot the ball, being able to handle the ball uh, in the pick and short roll, being able to make decisions with the ball. You've got to do that at the NBA level as a big man. You, it, our league is so skilled. You know, you, you're, if you're not uh, on top of your game, if you're not growing and developing every year, 
you'll stand out. And and Stan, you know, coming to us, I, I think it's the perfect time for him. Uh, it's, I think it's a great fit for him and for our organization. David Griffin has done a great job through the interview process, as well as Trajan Langdon and Swin Cash and Bryson Graham. I, I think our entire front office just did a great job of leaving no stone unturned uh, to where we're, we're bringing in a coach that is ready to go. Uh, I think he's excited about it. We're excited about it. And uh, it's not going to be long. I mean, you know, we're talking to December 1 training camp, so we got to be ready to go. And it starts now in, in putting a staff together for Stan and getting this thing running. That's uh, awesome. Uh, exciting days ahead in the basketball world, both college and the NBA. Uh, we just ended the NBA season, but I'm already looking forward to uh, next year, and and uh, hopefully we uh, get the Raptors in Kansas City. Uh, I'll volunteer, Jared. Uh, I'll work for free if they need me to. You, you and I ought to be the play-by-play and color team for the Raptors. I'll, I'll put us out there. <laughs> the, the, the hey, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. I, I, we need all the support we, we can get behind it. So, uh, I, you know, I, I expect you to be uh, around T-Mobile Arena uh, should we be a- allowed in to, 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 to support these Raptors if they come here. Hey, I'll be there day one if uh, if that happens. Uh, you can guarantee that. Uh, definitely excited. So, Jarrett, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, man. And uh, best of luck here as uh, you get ready uh, for the draft in the upcoming season. Thanks for joining us. Tyler, thanks for having me, man. Always fun. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Big thanks to Jarrett Sutton for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones back here with you now. Time for this week's edition of the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em. Joining us, as always, from O'Connor Advisory Group, it is Brian O'Connor. We call him Coach Bo. And, uh, Coach, another week in the books last week, and uh, you struggled a little bit. Uh, you, You ended up... With a three and seven record, that drops you to thirty-two and thirty-five and three overall, below five hundred. And now you are tied with yeah. TJ, who we've made fun of all year long for having such a bad record. He went eight and two this past week. Went he's now thirty-two, thirty-five, and three right there with you. Yours truly in first yep. place. I went seven and three last week, putting me at thirty-nine, twenty-eight, and three on the year. Thomas Bridges. You went seven and three last week as well, putting you two games behind me at thirty-seven, thirty and three. Bo, we will start with you here. Uh, you you got to bounce back this week. Uh, I mean, yeah. la- last, week last week was not good. Well, last week I had no confidence in my pick. Like I said, do not bet on what I'm trying to on what I'm doing here, and I did not feel good about last week's picks at all. And sure enough, that's what it comes out to. Uh, Luckily, I know the market better than I know some of these picks right now. I can help people out. So, <laughs> man, this was – last week I was doing my best TJ impression. So he had, And yeah. he did an impression of, of you, uh, apparently. You yeah, guys flip-flopped a little bit. Spots for- yeah. So, uh, what else <laughs> – by the way, before we get too further along in this, what else is uh, going on at uh, O'Connor Advisory Group these days? Hey, you know, we're coming in – can we believe we're in November almost? Isn't that crazy? I know it seems like October just flew by. I was like, where did October go? You know, by, the, by the time you hear this, it'll almost be what a Sunday. It'll be November 1st. Um, uh, we've been this time of year, it tends to slow down a little bit for us. So what we're doing now is taking our times to go through with our clients and really review where we're at and where we're looking at and thinking the market's going to go for the next year. Um, if you've got an advisor right now who they only call you when they want to sell you something, they don't really care about what you're doing. You're just a number in their ledger. And we want to help you. We want to be in touch with you. We want to show you what we can do at O'Connor Advisory Group and uh, show you how that personalized service works for you. So 
give us a shout. And where can people find you, Bo? Uh, best place right now to find us is O'Connor Advisory Group on Facebook. You can also give us a call, 785-856-0720. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to chat with you. We want to be your partner. We want to really be your financial partner. That's uh, 785-856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Uh, and uh, you definitely want to uh, check out O'Connor Advisory Group. And all over, too, uh, one of the things, Bo, we, we were talking about before the show was this is not just a, a Kansas and Missouri business. Uh, yeah. I mean, our friends down in Oklahoma can call you. If you're on Absolutely. the other side of the country, uh, wherever you may be, O'Connor Advisory Group helps all parties involved. Yeah, I've got, we've got clients right now in about 15 states. We're licensed all over. And if you've got a special situation, you want us to give you a hand, maybe it's a state we're not currently licensed in, it's actually pretty easy for us to get licensed as all states kind of work together on that. So I can help you out. Yeah. No matter where you are, nationwide. Yeah, I mean, Bo's talking to a guy in China right now, actually. So, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, we get done when, I'm, when we're doing that here next. <laughs> So that's that's great. You definitely want to sign up and uh, check out those guys there. Thomas Bridges uh, rejoins us as well right now. And uh, Tom, after uh, after the way Bo saw you before the show, you, you might be having to buy some life insurance yourself now. Yeah, you know, I started a, a, a new job today, and so I actually just got home. Um, a friend lives like five minutes away, so I stopped and saw him, but. It's raining here, so it took me a little longer to get home than usual just because here in Oklahoma, the the streets and the roads are just flooded and it's cold and it's just a mess right now. I mean, I might have had to take out another life insurance policy because I was so scared to drive home. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, well, hey, we I got a guy for that no matter where you are. Yeah, we got there a guy you for go. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, some people need a fall guy. I got a uh, life insurance guy for you. So there you go. The, the, you're my you're my Chris Carter, Bo. There you go. <laughs> All right. right. Let's go through the slate this week. Uh, week eight of the O'Connor Advisory Group Pigskin Pick'em. The game of the week in college football this week is between number three Ohio State and number eighteen Penn <laughs> State. The Buckeyes are a twelve and a half point favorite on the road. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State, the number six team in the land, they'll take on Texas. The Cowboys, for the second straight week, are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. K-State, they travel to Morgantown. The Wildcats are the 16th-ranked team in the land, and they're an underdog. West Virginia favored at three-and-a-half. Both squad, the LSU Tigers, they've had an up-and-down start to 2020. They take on another team that's off to a uh, bit of a rough patch here in the Auburn Tigers. LSU, a three-point favorite on the road. In the last college game, another Big Ten matchup, Northwestern and Iowa. Iowa, two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Meanwhile, in the National Football League, the game of the week in the NFL, uh, a battle for the AFC North. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who are the last remaining undefeated in the NFL, will travel to Baltimore, where they're an underdog to the Ravens, where uh, the Ravens are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. 49ers take on the Seahawks. Seattle, a three-point favorite. The Saints face the Bears. The Saints are a four-point favorite on the road. The Raiders will take on the Browns. The Browns are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. And the Colts will face the Lions. The Colts are a three-point favorite on the road. So there you have it. That is our rundown for this week. Let's go ahead and start with the college games. 
beginning with number three, Ohio State, against number 18, Penn State. Penn State lost a heartbreaker last week against Indiana. Ohio State was phenomenal in their win against Nebraska. Bo, we'll start with you this time. Ohio State favored at 12 and a half. Um, this game would probably be a lot more interesting if Penn State would have won last week, but losing to Indiana, I've lost all interest in this Penn State team. James Franklin, I mean, he's a good coach, but he's not a great coach. Great coaches don't lose to Indiana like that. Well, I, I don't disagree with you. I like James Franklin. I, I think he's a good coach. Um, I I wonder how much of this spread is a little bit of an overreaction to Penn State losing. Like we've talked about, I just don't have a good feel for this season at all, and that was week one for the Big Ten teams. So I think that um, – I mean, I think Ohio State <clears> – <throat> pardon me. I think Ohio State is the class of that conference. Um, I'm going to take Ohio State. Lay the points. I'm not 100 percent sure, uh, sure about this pick, but uh, I tend to go with the best the best team, and I think they're the most dominant team in the Big Ten. Yeah, they're really the only reason that the Big Ten's back. Right, to try to get Ohio State a national championship. Yeah, Ohio State might be the best team in the country. Uh, they looked like a well-oiled machine last week in their win against Nebraska. I got to go with the Buckeyes as well. Tom, who are you going with here? You know, I felt like the Buckeyes got off to. Uh, a slightly a slower start than what I expected. Could have been uh case in Nebraska there, but I don't think so. Um, I think they get it more together in the in the first quarter and the first half this time. Obviously, they pulled away uh, by a large margin against Nebraska in the end of the game. I don't think they have any problems covering 12 and a half. Uh, if it was, I, I think they can win by two touchdowns. I, I, I don't want to lock this game because maybe Penn State bounces back, but I, I have a feeling Ohio State's just going to be that dominant. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're all going with Ohio State there. Texas taking on Oklahoma State. The Cowboys are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Texas. And traditionally speaking, this has been a great game between these two, whether it's in Stillwater or in Austin. Either one, these two teams have put on some great games over the years. Texas got the best of Oklahoma State last season. Oklahoma State looking for revenge this (coughs) go-round. They're the last undefeated remaining in the Big 12 Conference. Tom, we'll start with you. How you feeling about your Cowboys uh, there taking on uh, the Longhorns? You know, I was real nervous for the Iowa State game, and uh, I thought that defense stepped up and, and shut down. Brock Tober killed it again. Um, and, you know, Spencer Sanders, two picks in that game. I think he gets better this week. Shaking off a little bit of rust. One was good defense. The other, he just threw it late. Um, I think, and I don't want to, I'm knocking on wood. I'm going to make you hear it. I'm knocking on wood. (laughs) I think this is an Oklahoma State statement game. I think this is the game that they come out. I think the offense clicks. I think the defense does just as well. And I think this is a statement game. I will go 34-21 Oklahoma State. All right, so you're going with the Cowboys here to uh, win this one. Bo, who you got here? Um, I'm going with Oklahoma State as well. Horns down. Um, I think that Texas can't stop a nosebleed defensively. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma State, lay the three and a half. I, I tend to think that Thomas is right on about this. I think this is going to be a bigger spread than this. So give me the, give me the Cowboys. Uh, three for three. I'll go with Oklahoma State here as well, uh, even though they let me down last week when I picked them against Iowa State. Um, 
you know, this Texas team is just so bad defensively. Sam Ellinger, he's playing well, but he has no help there. Um, I think this three-and-a-half-point margin, guys, is more about uh, how bad Texas is than how good Oklahoma State is. Uh, Oklahoma State's offense is not – play to their full potential, yet their defense has been phenomenal, though they win this with defense. I like Oklahoma State to win 27-20, somewhere around that range for the Pokes. K-State taking on West Virginia. The Mountaineers are a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. K-State coming off a win against KU in the Sunflower Showdown last week. West Virginia coming off a uh, loss to Texas Tech last week. Uh, Will Howard getting his third career start for the Wildcats. Bo, we'll start with you this time. What are you thinking here about West Virginia and uh, K-State with uh, the Mountaineers as a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home? I like K-State here. I like K-State. I like K-State outright. Uh, so I think three-and-a-half is a bit of a gift. So give me K-State, and uh, we'll roll. All right. I'll go K-State here, too. Um, I- I'm with you. This reminds me of a few weeks back when K-State played TCU and K-State was about an eight-and-a-half-point underdog, and I said, i like them to win outright. I think that their defense is so good. Will Howard doesn't change things a whole lot compared to Skyler Thompson. Uh, I think K-State gets this one done, and they uh, they win and cover as an underdog here. I'll take K-State in the points. Tom, who you got? You know, I'll have to go. I hate that we're doing this, and we're all on the same page here so far, but I, I think we're right. I honestly think so far these are these are I wouldn't call it no brainers, but West Virginia the quarterback play has looked just terrible, um, and and you lose to Tech, and you know Neil Brown right now this is I like Neil Brown I, I do, uh, but I like Chris Kleiman better. It is in Morgantown, uh, you know if it was, I, I'm not gonna say that K State's gonna win it. I think they do. But I'm, I'm not going to say they're just going to outright win it. But if you're going to give me West Virginia three and a half, the same way Iowa State was given three and a half, I feel the same way about this game this week. I will take K State. All right. How about LSU taking on Auburn? LSU, uh, Miles Brennan, their starting quarterback, is uh, done for the season. Uh, both these teams have had some issues here in 2020. The Tigers, the LSU Tigers, that is, are a three point favorite on the road. Bo, tell us about your team. How you feeling about their chances uh, going up against Auburn here? Okay, I've taken LSU. I'm laying this three. I have zero problems with it. Um, I like Miles Brennan, but I really like T.J. Finley. Uh, T.J. Finley is the starting quarterback now. He's a true freshman. The pride of Ponchatoula, Louisiana. Shout out to my aunt and uncle who are living or from Ponchatoula, been there their whole lives. Um I really like – I think LSU's back on board where they need to be. They've played very well the last couple of weeks. Auburn's played like crap the last couple of weeks, and I just don't think they're a very good football team. Um, I think the, the Tigers are going to win this. I'm sorry, the Gold Tigers are going to win this. <laughs> and uh, I like LSU, and I uh, like the three. All right, LSU and the three. Tom, who you got? You know, and, and – uh... We've we said it before, and I feel like you'll take LSU too, maybe, Jones. I don't know. But I have to take LSU in this one too. Here's the thing. I can see this is a toss-up game for me. I think that if Auburn is to lose this game, or if LSU walks into Auburn and just kicks the dog shit out of them, which LSU's do maybe for one of those, uh, and, I, you know, maybe this is the start of a, a you know, you know, would 
quarterback TJ coming in, maybe. Maybe it can happen. I think Gus Malzahn is on the hot seat. If he's not already, Bo Nix not playing good. This might be the end of the Gus era this this year. I mean, LSU could walk in and they could write Auburn's, you know, he could write his, his pink slip. I think it can happen. I feel like Gus Malzahn's been on the hot seat for like five years, it seems, there at Auburn. Here's the difference. He's like Bruce Weber. Right. For K-State. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing for me, the difference between these two teams. Um, LSU has at least shown potential, some promise that, hey, if they could put something together, they could be a decent team. I haven't seen any of that from Auburn. There's nothing I've seen from Auburn that convinces me that they could turn around and have a decent year. Uh, they're, they're just a fraud in every way. They should have lost to Arkansas. They, they should have lost to, te- to a team – whose name realistically should be Arkansas. Uh, I'm going with LSU here uh, in the points on the road. Uh, so we're, we're all in agreement there with every college game so far. Let's see if we can get some disagreement on the last one. Northwestern taking on Iowa. Iowa, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Iowa lost last week to Purdue, 24-20. Um, to 20. Meanwhile, Northwestern, they had a dominating win against Maryland. 43 to 3. But here's a new news flash for the folks out there. You, you don't get to hang a banner for beating Maryland. I mean, like, let's be real for a second here. Hold the phone. It was Maryland who Northwestern beat last week. Um, Iowa at home. I think the Hawkeyes bounce back. Give me Iowa to take care of business. A little side note here for you Northwestern had not one, but two quarterbacks opt out of the 2020 season. Um, so. They're playing shorthanded. Iowa has got everybody ready to go for this week. Uh, Give me Iowa to take care of business as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Tom, we'll go with you first this time. You know, I think you just said it all pretty much there. You know, yeah, they did lose to Purdue. But, you know, something about these Iowa teams, they always start slow uh, and come back usually in a a decent or a big way. I don't know. They usually do Uh, a good job of beating Iowa State week one. Well, yeah, that's true, but they didn't get a chance to this year. Instead, they played Purdue. Uh, you know, Northwestern, you, you know, you don't get, like you say, you don't get to hang a banner for beating Maryland. Thanks for stealing uh, my analysis. And, and Texas Texas didn't really even get a chance to even hang one of those banners, but I don't <laughs> think that Maryland team is as good as as they were when they beat those Texas teams. I, I just don't see Iowa losing to Northwestern. I This is one of the games I, I can't not pick Iowa. All right. So, two for two in Iowa. Bo, are you going to go for the clean sleep? Are we going to have any disagreement on these college games? Are we ready to go 5-0 and this week? <laughs> we're, we're going. <clears throat> guys, we're going 5-0. and I'm taking Let's Iowa go. as well. Okay. Um, I'm taking Iowa as well. And the reason being, I'll tell you what I like on this. It's under three. Um, had this been three and a half or four, you know, where you think the field goal goes into play, I might have flipped over to Northwestern, but under three, Iowa at home, coming off that loss, you know, Kirk Ferris seems to get his shit together after they lose. So I'm going to go with <laughs> Iowa here. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Those are our college picks for this week. Uh, let's move on to the National Football League. The Steelers taking on the Ravens. Steelers are undefeated. They squeaked by the Titans last week after Big Ben threw three picks. They had that big lead. It evaporated, and the Titans had a chance to win that one, but Gutowski, uh missed the uh, game winner there for the Titans. I guess the game-tying field goal. 
The Ravens, one loss on the year, that came at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. Otherwise, the Ravens have looked fine, but their schedule hasn't been that great, though. The Ravens are at home. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Guys, I'm going to ride the Steelers until they prove me wrong otherwise. Let me go ahead and take Big Ben and the Steelers. You guys know I'm a Big Ben guy. Um, I think that he's going to be he's going to play better than what he was last week. He's had a really good record against the Ravens over the years. He's kind of owned the Ravens, uh, really. I'll go with uh, Big Ben and company three and a half until they prove me otherwise as a three and a half point underdog. Uh, Todd, we'll go with you. Who you got here? You know, here's here's where I differ, Jones. Um, finally, after five in a row for all of us, I. And part of it is I don't want to pick the same picks as you because I'm looking at it now and then we're coming down to it maybe here close unless I swap up here in a second because I'm looking. Um, Ravens are coming off a of bye week. Uh, you know, I, here's the thing about this division. I think it comes down to the Steelers and it comes down to the Ravens. And I think they split the games between each other. And I think it's Ravens went at home and Steelers went at home. And I, I think the Ravens get them here. And I think Steelers will get them back when it's in Pittsburgh. Now, I'll add this, though. Uh, one of the points that we mentioned with uh, that Iowa game with the two-and-a-half factor, if Baltimore wins this game, I think it's a field goal win for them, or two or one. I don't see them getting a four-point or touchdown victory here. Um, that's, to me, another reason why it's easier to take the Steelers here is Baltimore can still win this. But you'll go with the Ravens here. Bo, who you got? I completely agree with you, what you, what you just said, Jonesy. I'm taking the Steelers as well. And the reason I'm not taking the Steelers to win, I think they can win. Um, these, This is the game I want to watch the most this weekend. Uh, but I'm taking the Steelers because of the three and a half. It takes that field, that game winning or that game tying field goal. Um, you know, I think the Ravens are possibly probably going to win the game, but I think it's two points. It's three points. Three and a half, I'll take the Steelers. Um, I can see the Steelers more likely to win this game by seven than I see the Ravens winning by seven. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. Same thing you're talking about. Totally makes sense. So I'm taking the Steelers in this game. All right. How about the 49ers and the Seahawks? 49ers had a nice bounce back last week against New England. They're starting to get a lot healthier now, too. Seattle suffered their first loss of the year last week at the hands of the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday night football. That game went into overtime came down to the very nice 69th minute, um, but uh, ultimately it was uh, Arizona and Kyler Murray who pulled that one off. Uh, let's start with you this time, Tom. Uh, Seattle and, and uh, San Francisco, this game to me I think is a lot more intriguing this week than if they were to play this game even a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the 49ers just kind of came out of nowhere. It was just They were kind of like, okay, we're sick of our own shit. We went to the <laughs> Super Bowl last year. What happened? Come on, like, let's get it together. I mean, they beat the Rams. I mean, I which I couldn't believe. And, and one of Sean McVay's worst games, I think, and Cooper Cups as well. But, you know, I don't want to start that tangent. Um, <laughs> you know, I still think the Seahawks get them. I think this is going to be a close game. Uh, I mean, the Seahawks, I think, are, are pissed at how they got did by, you know, the Cardinals. And this game, granted, no fans. It is in Seattle. Uh, if it's cold in Oklahoma, I bet your ass it's probably cold in Seattle. Uh, and, you know, maybe be, uh, you know, they can have, we're getting to the time here where this can affect some games. Um, and I think that's probably the case here a little bit, but 
you know, if it comes down to running the what I think depending on the weather, it could just be a running game. It could be, you know, Chris Carson versus uh Mostert. I mean, it could be that type of a game. And I I think Pete Carroll's just gonna get the better edge here. Uh, I can't not pick the Seahawks here. Not after a loss. Pete Carroll's not gonna lose twice in a row. I hope he does. <laughs> Bo, uh, what do you think about this game? Uh, are, are you buying stock again in the Niners or not? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> uh, the 49ers are overrated. Give me the Seahawks. The Seahawks are going to cover three. They've, cut, they've won every game they've won by five or more. Every game they've won, they've won by five or more. I like the Seahawks. I like them at home. What I think is going to happen 49ers don't have Mostert. The 49ers are last in the league in rushing right now in yards per game. Um, I What's going to happen is the 49ers are going to try to rely on Kittle in all the offense, and you'll see the Seahawks are going to just bracket cover him. They're going to have Wagner underneath on him, a safety over the top. I'll take Seahawks. Uh, what one uh, exception there? The the Vikings game they won by just one, twenty seven twenty six. Okay. Um, but other than that, yeah, they they've won by five or more in those other games. Um, all right, uh, we're we're on the same page. I like Seattle here as well. Uh, I think they take care of business. Uh, I, they're a better team than San Francisco, although San Francisco's healthier maybe than they were a couple weeks ago. They're still banged up in other places. Um, I got to go with uh, Seattle and take care of business at home at three. Saints taking on the Bears. Bo, we'll start with you this time. Your Saints. Going up against Chicago, uh, the Saints uh, are a four-point favorite. I have said numerous times throughout the last couple of weeks that Chicago is such a fraud. And now, I believe, what is it? They've lost two straight, is it? I mean, um, this team, I think, is starting to unravel and show who they really are. Um, the Saints, though, haven't looked too hot to start out 2020. What do you think of this matchup, Bo? I'm really worried about this as a Saints fan. I'll tell you why. The Saints offense does not play well outside in the cold. Thomas said, if it's cold in Oklahoma, well, you can bet your ass it's cold in Chicago. (laughs) Um, I'm still going to take the Saints minus the four. This is a homer pick for me, uh, taking the Houdats. The Bears, the one thing that has me uh, happy about this is the Bears. Khalil Mack's a little banged up. He didn't practice again today. So I don't know. He won't be out, but a little banged up. I think the Saints will run the football. I expect a big game out of Alvin Kamara. And I think what we're going to see is the Saints come out and with more of the um, um, more running the football, a little more of the trick plays, a little more Taysom Hill. Please, please, please let me be wrong. Let's see more Taysom Hill. And um, I think that's what the Saints will need to keep this game going. So give me the Saints minus the four. I'd be a little more confident if it was two. Okay. I'll go with the uh, Saints, the four here. And this one for me is more so about how much of a fraud the Bears are. They they can't score. I mean, they they simply can't punch it in. This team has no offense. Uh, You know, Nick Foles, he's a nice story, and it was great to see him win Super Bowl MVP. But they're, they're not going anywhere. This team, their di- downward spiral has already begun. Uh, chalk up another L here and a few more along the way. This team's going to miss the postseason. I-, I like the Saints to take care of business. Tom, who you got? You know, I had the Saints, and I, you know, I didn't hear for. There's two things going on here. 
Jones, I want to catch up to you, so I have to switch up the games because at the rate we were going, besides the Ravens-Steelers game, we were going to be, you know, want, you know, matched up. And, I, you know, you don't get anywhere not risking it. Um, so, you know, Coach Bo made a good point. If it's cold in Oklahoma, it's going to be cold in Chicago. I just checked the weather at Soldier Field for Sunday, 325 kickoff. The high is supposed to be 39, but it's supposed to be windy. Knock that chill off about five degrees, and you're looking at a – by the end of the game, you're probably looking at freezing temps. Uh, Saints are used to playing indoors. Uh, I mean, I think the Saints can still win this game, but I think it could be by a field goal. I'm going to use the reverse on what you guys did to me for the Baltimore game. I think the Saints can still win this game. The last two games, the Saints have also won by three points. I'll take the Bears. Okay. All right. Some disagreement there. Two more games to go. Raiders taking on the Browns. The Browns are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in uh, this game. And, you know, I I look at both these teams, guys, and I feel like that we've seen – good and bad from both of them. They've had their sparks, their moments, but they can't find that consistency. I I wouldn't say either one of them are frauds because they are an improvement from what they were a season ago, but they haven't quite arrived yet. Odell Beckham, he's out for the season. Tom, we'll start with you. Do you think that affects the Browns too much, losing Odell, and ultimately as a a two-and-a-half point uh, favorite here. Do you think they can still cover against the uh, the Raiders and win this game? You know, on our Google Sheets, I have the Browns right now, and maybe I I you know discount double check myself here and screw myself over. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and swap to the Raiders. Yeah, you, you reminded me about OBJ. He's out. Uh, you know, Baker has been playing really well in in the Raiders last week. It was a, a very evident Chiefs hangover. Uh, you know, the Bucks played lights out and, uh, for the Browns, they, you know, three pointed, uh, Joe Burrow, just barely sneaking away and maybe the highest scoring game of the week. Um, 37, 34. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this game, uh, for the Browns. I, I think if the defense shows up, they can get this done, but you know what? Go ahead and give me the Raiders here. Die Raiders. Give me the Raiders here. I'll. I'll go counterculture uh, here, and I will take I will take the black and silver. Okay, so you'll go with the uh, the Raiders. Austin Hooper also remains out for the uh, Browns as well. Bo, we'll go to you next. Uh, who who you got in uh, this one here? Okay, this is the hardest game of the week for me to pick. Um, I also am thinking the Raiders. Um, I the Raiders are going to slow this game down. <clears throat> the Browns last week. Um, you know, had the big came out, scored a lot of points, beat the Bengals, who still do not deserve Joe Burrow. <laughs> and um, I think it's just because of the matter of we're going to trade points back and forth, back and forth. The Raiders have that big offensive line; they're back. Uh, they, you know, they had the COVID east, uh, piece last week with a couple of those guys. Uh, most of them will be back this week, so I like the Raiders in a lower scoring game. I think I'll just take the points. I'm, I think the Browns can win, but I. I'm going to take the Raiders, kind of like Thomas was saying. I, I kind of like it as a, a counter shock here. Um, I think that uh, Beckham being out is a big deal for them as well. 
This game can go either way, I think. Uh, I'll go with the home team here. I'll go with Cleveland, uh, but it won't shock me either direction. I think you're absolutely right, Bo. This is a tough game to uh, pick. Last one, Colts and the Lions. I believe this is the first time the Lions have shown up on the uh, pick this year. Tom, you and I have been calling for the firing of Matt Patricia for a while. He's still employed and still hanging on for now. Uh, Indianapolis, a three-point favorite. Do you think that Matt Patricia can get a win here and make his case to keep his job another week? You know, we are a pro-fire podcast. We I don't know why. I don't know if it was me that started it with Billy Donovan. <laughs> I mean, we love to see people get fired on this show. Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, we do. I mean, I hate it. I hate that I don't want to ever see anybody lose their job except, <laughs> you know, side note, Rams kicker Sam Sloman got cut for the Bears kicker Kai Forbath. So I'd, I'd love to see that one. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you know what? This game is a tough one for me to pick. The Lions are at home. I saw a couple different articles that people were taking the Lions here. The Colts, Jones, we've talked about the Colts and and they're one of the, they're four and two. But the, the, I mean they lost to the Jags and who else did the they Browns. lose to? The Browns. I mean, I think they did they just not get obliterated? No, it wasn't that was 32-23. I think the Colts can be and can I think the Colts can get the Lions. Next week they take on the Ravens are gonna get the shit kicked in, so they better win this week. I'll take the Colts. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know about this game. Uh, you know, this one to Neither me. Did I. <laughs> this one to me is like you know, both these teams can just kind of go to hell as far as I'm concerned. You know, what I mean, <laughs> Philip Rivers. Uh, I've said this to Bo numerous times the last few weeks. He was the original Matt Ryan. Um, the only thing he does well is procreates. Um, you know, and and Matt Stafford on the other end. Uh, this is a guy who I have said that you put him on about maybe 10 other rosters in the league. This guy's probably a Hall of Fame quarterback. Even with all that being said, I think even with Phillip Rivers, the Colts are a better team. They have a better team around them. Their run game with Marlon Mack and those guys as opposed to what Matt Stafford has there in Detroit. I'll go with the Colts here. I don't say that confidently at all. Bo, you get the last word. Who are you going with here? Okay, so I think Matt Patricia's going to hang on to his job for a week because I think the Lions are going to win this game. Now, keep in mind, I'm the one way, way back here in this pick segment. So if I was going to bet any money, I'd bet it with you guys. <laughs> but for some reason, I like the Lions here, probably because I'm very anti-Philip Rivers. Um, but I tell you what I really think. This is like this has got push written all over it. Ooh. Yeah. It's got push written all. This has got twenty three twenty Colts written all over. You know, if I think, but I'm going to take the Lions and the points. If you, if this turns out to be a push, it's almost like we should give you the win for calling that. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, that's, don't you give me two? I'll tell you what, I'll double up. I'll double up and take the push. <laughs> you'll take the push, okay? No, I, okay. no, I, I do think so. I'll give you the Lions. <laughs> okay, okay. Give me the Lions and the three, but I, I this has got pushed Red Knowledge. Exactly three. I just see this being 23-20. <laughs> I don't know why I see that, but that's what I see. Okay. Um, I just I see this as push. I do think the Lions can win this game, being at home. I just don't know who the Colts are right now. Yeah. I mean, do you know? Does anybody know who they are? I don't think they know who they are. I don't think they do either. I think that getting Philip Rivers was the worst thing for that franchise. 
They, they were only spending, because what, $7 million on Jacoby? It, it does. I, I would have kept Jacoby Brissett. Me too. At least I would have known where I'm going forward. You know, I can I can now be flexible with my team, build some depth in my team. Instead, you have to spend money on a big-name quarterback. And, and, and spend and the $26 million elsewhere would have been nice. Yeah and, yeah, and you're taking this player that – what makes you think that that player <laughs> is taking that team to the championship? I don't get it either. It, it, it's different if you're getting Tom Brady. You sure. know, or if if you'd have said, for instance, that you're the Colts and you're going to sign Drew Brees, something with the pedigree who's been there and they've been successful, something like that, maybe I'd have seen that. But they would have been better off signing Jameis Winston. I bet they were wishing they drafted <laughs> Jameis or Justin Herbert at this point. No shit. No shit. I, I mean, you might as well – I. I think I thought it was a bad signing then. I think it's a bad signing now. And it just doesn't give your team any sort of identity. Who were the Chargers for the last 12 to 13 years with Philip Rivers? <laughs> right. A team that couldn't win in the fourth quarter. That's who they are. Yeah. Uh, a guy who's throwing his helmet, yelling at all the receivers around the, around the, around the field. And making babies. Yeah. And yeah. making a lot of babies at home. <laughs> Wearing bolo ties. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Bo- Get out of here with that shit, huh? <laughs> 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 On that note, Bo, we got to run. Uh, I got to ask yeah. you since uh, since Tom and I brought this up. Uh, do, do you like seeing people be fired? <laughs> you know, there are times I do. It depends on who it is. Um, I'm on the Gus Malzahn needs to go tra- a train. Um, you know, I've there's times where it's like, God, I like that coach. You know, or uh, but there, I think I like it more on quarterbacks than I do coaches. Okay, in the NFL, yeah. And in college, I don't I don't criticize players. Just to, that's a thing for me. Sure. So, um, but I, there's times where I look at it and go, yeah, that guy's a good coach, but he's just not been as successful as he could be. A good example: I don't like Notre Dame, but I love Brian Kelly. Okay. And they should have been better in these last few years than they are. Yeah. I think he's a good coach. Yeah. Um, Other than the fact know, he killed that, that guy. But... You know, yeah. but I I think that. Yeah, I'm not necessarily a fire the coach guy, but there are times where I'm like, oh, that guy's got to go. Yeah. You know, as we're recording this today, if you're a baseball fan at all, I've seen a lot of folks asking for Kevin Cash's head today. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the wrong deal. I think he went with one way. He's gone that way the whole season. Okay. I mean, you know who that is. So go for it. You, if you pull the guy early, you pull the guy early. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, if uh, if you're about to be fired or uh, looking for a backup plan, uh, then uh, contact yeah. Brian O'Connor at O'Connor Advisory Group to uh, have your investments and uh, savings ready to go. That's 785-856-0720, 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. <laughs> Bo, appreciate yeah. the yeah, time. You're getting fired. Hey, real quick. Let me yes. If you're being fired or if, you're, if you've been offered a buyout, we can really help you with the buyout. If you're thinking about that buyout and you're going, mm, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, hey, we can look at that for free with you and give you some great advice on that. We call it the Charlie Weiss special. Uh, That's right. <laughs> Bo, appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. A couple more things before we get out of here today. I want to revisit what we talked about in our discussion with Jarrett Sutton about the NBA in Kansas City. And – you know, this to me, Tom, just seems like a natural fit of the circumstances that, you know, Kansas City's trying to prove themselves 
that they're a market worthy of an NBA team. I still think there's a stain left from when the Kings left town, which was well before either you or I were born, um, that put this stigma that Kansas City uh, cannot support an NBA team, that can't be an NBA town of some sorts. But that was so long ago. There's so much that's changed. And everything that this city has put its hand to has just prospered. I mean, you look at from the Chiefs to the Royals to Sporting Kansas City, Kansas Speedway, uh, all of that. And it's been such a big economic boom for all those things. Now it's a, a, a proven opportunity here. You bring in the Raptors. They need a place to play. You're right there in the heart of downtown. Even with limited fan capacity, I still think that you're going to have a good atmosphere, going to pack out every game, still going to be lively in downtown. Um, and, you know, there, there's also a bit of acceptance here too, Tom, in the sense of that you know going in, I don't think there's going to be any hard feelings that the Raptors be here a year no matter how things go, that they go back to Toronto. Um, that's their home. They won a championship there just a couple of years ago. Um, I think people in Kansas City would be glad to host them and support them and be all in for one season and then say, you know what, um, you know, ha- have a nice life, you know, and, and enjoy things back at home. People understand. It seems like, to me, just a natural fit of we have everything here and there's an understanding that this would just be a rental and a chance for Kansas City to prove themselves here. I don't see how Kansas City is not a good fit for this opportunity with the Raptors. I mean, it's a lot like, yeah, I mean, we saw it firsthand. It's a lot like the New Orleans Pelicans or Hornets at that point came to um, Oklahoma, and it worked out great, obviously. And so Kansas City is every bit deserving. And, and here's the thing, Jones, and, and agree with me or disagree with me, I don't care. I'm, I'm still sticking to my opinion. I get it that the Chiefs just won a Super Bowl. But Kansas City is a basketball city. Uh, it is. And I'll stick by my opinion. It's not a baseball city. It's not a football city. Kansas City is a basketball city and then maybe a football city and then maybe a soccer or baseball city. And I'm sticking by it. And I think Kansas City would be just as good as Seattle. Obviously, I think Seattle should get that team first. I do. But... Kansas City is deserving of a basketball team. Yeah, uh, no question. And, you know, this is a huge opportunity to just prove that you have what it takes to get this done. Um, I, I would love to see it happen. And, Tom, you, you follow the NBA so closely here. I think the other thing that would be just as far as us fans getting to enjoy, the fact that, you're not getting a bottom feeder if this happens. This is not, uh, you know, the the Knicks coming in or something like that. I mean, the Raptors, we mentioned, won the championship just a couple years ago. Uh, you know, they were the number two seed in the East last year. You would have some fantastic basketball coming into Kansas City. I think people would get emotionally invested pretty quickly in just how good this Toronto team can be. Oh, of course. I mean, like I said, I think Kansas City is a basketball city. And and 
I want to call it the sprint. I want to call it sprint, the sprint center. Um, T-Mobile Arena is the perfect place for them. They already have it set up. It's downtown in the power and light. Uh, granted, COVID's still kind of going on. It's still going on, unfortunately. But it, it's still – the NBA has already come out and said, hey, no, we want to play home games. We want to play in market. Uh, you can't play in Toronto. Where else, where else do you want to play? Yeah. T- t- tell the folks, though, about the Raptors. I mean, that would be quite the product that Kansas City would be getting if uh, that's the case. I mean, that's going to be some great basketball. Uh, Nick Nurse and company, he- he's just done a fantastic job with that crew. Uh, well, of course. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about the Raptors. The Raptors are way better than the New Orleans Hornets were when they came to Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City still reached out and, and still supported them. Yeah, it was a young Chris Paul, and then I guess the team wasn't terrible, but it wasn't as good as this Raptors team is. There's no way. Uh, I mean, this Raptors team is is top talent. I mean, they could have easily went to the NBA Finals this year. Uh, you know, I obviously it didn't work out this year, but you know. Minus Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green leaving, they were still super competitive and had every shot to make it. And Nick Nurse is one of the best basketball coaches in the NBA today. Uh, Kansas City would be blessed, and I think the I think the Raptors would be blessed to to be able to come to Kansas City. Where else are they going to go? Seattle, sure, maybe. Um, but I, I can't think of another city other than maybe Seattle. Well, and and here's why. Here's why Seattle wouldn't work. Is keep in mind. The Raptors are an Eastern Conference team. Most of their schedule is against Eastern Conference opponents. You would like to think that you would like to still play in somewhat of the East. I think Kansas City is not too far out enough. I mean, you can still, I mean, your flight to you know go play the Knicks in New York is going to be a two-and-a-half, three-hour flight. That's doable. That's manageable. That would be much tougher for a team if you're going to be if you're going to put them in Vegas or Seattle for the year. Kansas City travel wise makes sense too. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know how directly complete south Toronto is from Kansas City, but I'm sure it lines up pretty well uh, as far as longitude goes. Um, but I mean, yeah, this that's why you know there you go. There's your there's your fight against Seattle. Is obviously they would still somewhat be in the East. Um, and it just makes more sense. Um, I would be, I mean, granted, who knows what happens by the time, what do they say? They want to start the season December 22nd. Yeah. I believe is what it is. Who knows what happens in that time? We still got a, two months, pretty much two months. Um, and it's not cause I'm biased and I like Kansas city and it's not because you're biased and you're pretty much in Kansas city. It's, it's, pretty simple logistics on this makes the most sense yeah if this is the way we're going to do it oh for sure uh it absolutely does um and you know one other note on this that we we, i didn't bring this up with uh with Jarrett, but uh I'll, i'll say this just you know what what about fred van vliet this is a guy that has been a great player for the rafters they certainly got what they paid for in van vliet um and, you know, he was a star at Wichita State. You're talking about fans and attention. Uh, Wichita's not too far down the road. Uh, they still love Fred very much so. They, they follow him so closely and everything. 
that alone is going to pique interest just to have that local tie in Van Vliet. I mean, he's going to feel right at home at Kansas City. Right, yeah. I mean, it, it, like I said, it makes the most sense that the Raptors, you know, if they couldn't come to Tulsa, you know, bias be damned, they couldn't come to Tulsa, then might as well just, you know, send them to Kansas City. They, I mean, they could still – you don't even have to be the Kansas City Raptors. You can still go by the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. I mean, when Oklahoma City comes, plays an exhibition game, and they don't go by the Tulsa Thunder, still be the Toronto Raptors fine. I, I mean, if, if anything – Here's the deal. If anything, where's the closest team to Kansas City besides the Thunder? Uh, I guess. The Detroit Pistons? Indiana Pacers, Memphis Grizzlies. Oh, Chicago Bulls. Chicago oh, Bulls, yeah. yeah. That's true. Sorry. I, um, I, was, I was going north, not east. The, the other city that's being mentioned is Louisville, but Louisville is not a pro sports town. I like Louisville. I've been there. Uh, it is a great city, but it is not a pro. They have a great arena town. for it, right? But you already have the University of Louisville playing basketball games there. Um, Kansas City knows how to host pro sports teams. Louisville does not. Uh, we're ready for it right now. Louisville would have to go through a transition, a learning period of some sorts. We're ready to go. So, um, you know, let's make it happen. I'll do what I can, whatever I can, to be a part of this. I'd be glad to and uh, see this all come to fruition uh, as far as that goes. Uh, we will get to Tom Fullery coming up in uh, just a moment, but uh, we, we've gone through this whole show barely talking about the World Series. I think Bo mentioned it briefly in the uh, Pick'em segment, but the Dodgers, for the first time in 32 years, walk away with the World Series title as uh, they top the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. Final score in uh, game six was 4-1. Uh, to one. And um, I'll, I'll say say this, Tom, and you don't even have to be much of a baseball fan to recognize this. Uh, even though that the Dodgers are a big market team and they spend a lot of money, um, the way 2020 is gone, I, I actually felt good for the Dodgers because this was the team that got directly robbed by the Astros back in 2017 and that whole scandal and all the cheating that the Astros were doing and everything like that. And then, you know, they, of course, came up short uh, a year or two ago in the in the World Series a couple times. I mean, they've come close time and time again. Um, but especially with what went down with the Astros, with us finding out about that and the Astros not getting punished for all that happened there, that's where I go back to I'm I'm happy for, and it just sounds weird to say, but because of what they went through, I'm happy for Dodger fans, for LA people, for some of those guys who are on the, that same team. Um, they deserve this moment after what they went through with all that crap that went down with the Astros back in '17. Yeah, they've been there and and tried to do that, and they finally did that. And and for the Dodgers, you know, friend of the show, Jose is a big Dodgers fan and a long time coming for him. This is essentially the first time he's ever seen his team win. And, and they've, like I said, they've been there. It's, they were almost going for the bills in the early nineties, uh, you yeah. know, from the way they were making the world series and still losing. Um, but finally get it done, you know, despite Jones and, and I'm going to bring it up just because the whole COVID thing, that was a mess. Yes. Uh, that was an absolute mess. But Justin Turner. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was insane. Kisses his wife. 
touches the trophy, no mask on after that. Well, but I'll say this. Why, why are they telling Justin Turner during the middle of the game that you got COVID and you're pulling him out? Um, to me, I thought that was mishandled. Uh, not just, you know, the easy thing is to blame Justin Turner here. Um, to me, I thought the MLB way mishandled that of telling him during the middle of the game. If I'm a player, I don't want to know anything like that while the game's going on. If I have a family member that dies during a baseball during a game I'm playing in, don't tell me till after the game is over. To me, that's where MLB messed up in all this. If they weren't going to do a rapid test and get those results back before the game, don't tell me while the game's going on. I, I blame the MLB more than I do Justin Turner for what went on there. Yeah, no, I don't blame him either because they should have had that figured out before the game. At that point, maybe the damage is already done. I get that they're trying to mitigate COVID and stuff, but at that point, if they were really trying to mitigate it, it would have been done before the game even started. Um, I mean, it doesn't take away that the fact that they, they won the World Series. It is tough for them. It's tough for Turner because now he's like, well, I got COVID, but I still won the World Series, and now – you know, it, it it makes it obviously tough to celebrate with your, uh, with, with your teammates. But uh, nonetheless, COVID's not going to take away uh, the World Series trophy from the L.A. Dodgers. Maybe now that L.A. Lakers and L.A. Dodgers won the championship this year, maybe the Rams can pull out the uh, star frame. Now, I'll be honest, Tom. Um, it is hard for me to say if I was in Justin Turner's shoes – that I would have not done the same exact thing. Um, you know, it's it's hard for me to say that, you know, you just won your first ever championship. Um, you were feeling no symptoms anyway. And they tell you this during the middle of the game, you're already there. You've already been in contact with all those teammates for that entire time. To me, was it selfish by Turner? I mean, you can argue that, but... I would say that probably it's a minority of people that would not have done what Turner did. I mean, he's, I mean, look at the emotions running. I mean, at that point, the damage, like I said, has already been done. You're already in the dugout with him. You're about You're to already, go home. Yeah, I mean, you've already been in there with him for whatever. So at that point, you know, you just say YOLO and, I mean, bleep me if you will. You just say, fuck it. Uh, you just won the world. We'll do Series. It what are you doing next? What, what are you doing next? I'm going to Disney world, even though that's super bowl hell with it. Uh, I mean, at that point, at, at, at that point, even if I have to put myself in a bubble or somewhat, I'm, I'm still spraying champagne in, in, in the clubhouse. I, I really, I wouldn't care. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that, that sounds selfish, but I'm never going to win a world series. I guarantee if I, <laughs> somehow figured out how to win a world series it was, was on the staff I, I mean i'm turning up right i mean I, I hate to say it but i and anybody who goes no i would go in quarantine and wear a mask and and don't get me wrong i'm i'm a lot bigger on the mask than most people i mean people know that i'm pretty liberal but at the same time i'm like well that'd be like you know if if uh if if OSU won the, the national championship and they said, well, Tom, you can come party with us, but uh, you may or may not get COVID. And you're not feeling symptoms. 
that I mean, yeah, that's I'm saying if someone else had COVID in that room and they said, well, Tom, you can go party with them, but you may or may not could get COVID. That's a chance I'm willing to take. <laughs> um, I, 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 maybe I get backlash for that. I don't really care. You only live once. And 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 at this point, uh, as Dodgers fans, there's Dodgers fans out there that are under 32 that, you know, maybe in the next if it takes them another 32 years to win one, then a 32 year old would be 64 at that point. The OSU has never won a championship. 1945, be damned. They've never won a championship, and I'll say that. And I might never, ever get to see one again. I'll party like it's 1999. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, the, the way this went down, the Dodgers were the better team. I, I loved watching game four. I felt for my guy, Brett Phillips, the former Royal, that uh, barely even made that roster, that he got to be the hero that, that night. That was cool. Um, still don't understand why Kevin Cash pulled out Blake Snell at the end of, you know, there in game six, that didn't make sense. You, you would have thought that maybe Blake Snell had COVID or something like that based on that decision. Um, but we didn't hear otherwise, but nonetheless, it was an entertaining world series, good six game series, but the ratings for it, Tom, the least watched world series ever. Isn't that crazy? Um, you know, we, we know that baseball is on a decline, but we've seen, Tom, we'll wrap up on this, that ever since sports came back, our country realized, you know, after being without sports for that period of time, that we can actually live life without sports, that you know, we don't need to be controlled by it, that we can watch stuff on our own time and see highlights and stuff like that. I, I think we're initially there was an excitement to have sports back. Now people, after going so long without sports, they're starting to realize that they can live without it that they did so you know this i don't think this this bad ratings for the world series is an is an indictment on the dodgers the rays i think this would have happened if it would have been the yankees and the dodgers or you know if the red sox wouldn't have been involved or something like that i think this just has to do with the times and, and the election too everybody's focused on that right now i mean tucker carlson just had the highest rated month of any show in the history of cable television that's what people are talking about right now. Um, that's where attention is turned to. I think once the election ends, once we get closer back to normal, we'll see these n numbers start to increase. I don't read too much into baseball's uh, numbers for the World Series being bad here. No, I mean, the election's coming up and, and with COVID and just everything else going on at this time of year, the holidays are coming up. Granted, the holidays come up every year right before the, the World Series. But, you know, this year is different. Uh, I mean – it's just kind of what it is at this point. Now, if this is not an election year, maybe it's a little bit different. If it's a normal year without COVID, maybe it's different. I mean, I'm not buying into anything. The baseball's dying. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge baseball fan. Don't get me wrong. Um, but this is an outlier year. Uh, let, let's be clear on that. I, I think that needs to be established. Uh, as far as that goes. Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we going to head to this time? Jones, we're going to stay here in America, but we're going to be talking about the country Kazakhstan. And I got $5 to the first person that listens to the show that tweets me exactly what you think it is about. Um, anybody who's living in America now that has watched the news or watched the election or was on Twitter, 
knows exactly what Kazakhstan would be in the news about right now. Borat. And it would be Borat's subsequent... Yeah, there you go. Borat's subsequent movie film. And Jones, you know how much I love Borat. I heard this new film's Probably terrible, by the way. Oh, I, it, it was, I thought it was brilliant. Um, I thought it was brilliant. Okay. You need to watch it. It's, I'll uh, watch it. Sasha Baron Cohen is a genius. Um, but uh, we might differ in opinions there. Um, uh, maybe it's over Rudy Giuliani or not. But I, I loved still, the first Kazakhstan. One. The second one is not as funny, but it it is 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 just as brilliant. I think. Okay. But needless to say, we're going to Kazakhstan. Um, so a little background here. If you guys haven't watched the first first Borat, you need to just to kind of get the context. I, you know, the Borat one and two are on Amazon Prime until November first. The second one, I'm sure, will be there for a while, but the first one is on there until November first. Um, Borat actually goes to a village in Romania called Glad, and it is depicted as Kazakhstan, and he is a Kazakh reporter that comes to America to film a journalistic type style documentary on America. Um, very satirical, but Kazakhstan at first did not find that to be very funny. They found it to be insulting. Sasha Baron Cohen got death threats. However, they're changing their tune, Tyler. They're changing their tune. Um, the article from Helen Sullivan of the Guardian headline reads, very nice. Kazakhstan adopts Borat's catchphrase in a new tourism campaign. <laughs> An official said the phrase popularized by Shasha Baron Cohen character sums up the vast tourism potential of the nation in a short, memorable way. Kazakhstan, the home of the fictional Borat Sadiv, has adopted the brass mustachioed character's catchphrase very nice. Very nice. For a new tourism campaign. Very nice. In the re- recent released Borat's subsequent movie film, the fictional jurist de- journalist depicts his homeland as a misogynistic, homophobic and anti-Semite as he does in the original Borat Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. And the first iteration, Borat, played by Sasha Baron Cohen, worried that he would be executed if the film was not a success. The first film's version of Kazakhstan National Anthem begins with the words Kazakhstan, greatest country in the world. All other countries run by little girls. The true <laughs> anthem begins with Sky of Golden Sun, Step of Golden Sea. Despite these less than flattering depictions, I'm going to butcher this, Karat Savakasov, the deputy of chairman Kazakh Tourism, said in a statement to the Huffington Post that Adopting Borat's catchphrase in the campaign offers the perfect description of Kazakhstan's vast tourism potential in a short, memorable way. Kazakhstan's nature is very nice. Its food is very nice. And its people, (laughs) despite Borat's jokes to the contrary, are some of the nicest people in the world. We would like everyone to come experience Kazakhstan for themselves by visiting our country in 2021 and beyond so that they can see Borat's homeland is nicer than they it may have heard. Said so the ad shows tourists hiking with a selfie stick, very nice, drinking fermented horse milk. Hmm, that's actually very nice. Marveling at the architecture. Wow, yes, very nice. <laughs> and 
posing for a photograph with Kazakhs in traditional dress. Yes, very nice. The idea for the campaign came from American Dennis Keene, who traveled to the country in a high school exchange, then studied with a Kazakh professor at Stanford University. He now lives in Almaty, where he gives walking tours, the New York Times reported. With a lot of time on his hands, due to the coronavirus pandemic, he and a friend pitched the idea of Kazakh tourism board and immediately got the go-ahead to make a four 12-second ads. The response is a far cry from the nation's reaction to the original Borat film, like I mentioned earlier. After its, re- after its release in 2006, the Kazakh government placed ads in the U.S. newspaper disputing some of the film's claims and presenting the country as a modern, stable, and outward-looking. The advertisements were timed with a visit from President Nursultan Nazarbayev and featured a photograph of Nazarbayev shaking hands with U.S. President George W. Bush. Later that year, Nazarbayev last when asked about the film while on a visit to the UK. The very fact that you have put that question, you will want to learn more and come to Kazakhstan to see for yourself, he said. Jones, I like it. I like I like it. I think it's very nice. Very nice. Um, I like. I like. Um, Kazakhstan's finally just said, you know what? If you can't beat them, join them. They were pissed. They were so pissed at first. Jones, I'll send you some, some videos of not only the Glod village in Romania, where Borat goes back to film and his, his film crew goes back to try to shoot a documentary on on why the Romanians were so mad. Yeah. Um, they like shouted that we're going to cut off your head, we're going to kill you, f- your mom, all that. <laughs> um, this, this was like an actual like an actual thing that that happened okay. that they were so mad because they like depicted this village of glod um borat had you know sasha barry cohen had went in and and said hey like we're shooting a documentary i want you guys to be a part of it you know and, and and was super cool about it and then the movie came out and they found out that borat was making fun of them like you know my neighborhood does not have an alarm clock he uh he will never get this all that type of stuff they made him very mad and and for Kazakhstan they were also mad as well and Sasha Barakon got death threats from from both the the Glod village in Romania and and from Kazakhstan and and so now Jones I like what they got going uh they pretty much said like you like I said if you can't beat them join them and yeah. they're pretty much taking Borat's success and and running into the to the tourism board and I think that's the way we should live our lives at that point. I would go visit Kazakhstan, not only because of Borat, but just because their outward nature and saying, you know what, we'll adopt the Veranas and and we'll run with it. And obviously it's blown up. Well, I think what they realized, too, was that Kazakhstan is now more known for Borat than anything else. And so if they didn't embrace it, then they would just look like fools. Um they had no choice. Uh, you know, I, I think Borat, Sasha Baron Cohen had good intentions. He's just trying to be funny. So, uh, yeah, this is very nice. Uh, I, I like this decision to uh, go about it this way to uh, promote their uh, their country. Now, I would be interested. Kazakhstan, I had uh, no familiarity with before Borat. Didn't even know if it, it, it existed, in all honesty. Now, I might have to give it a look. Uh, I, I'm planning to take a trip to North Korea sometime in the next couple of years. Um, maybe I'll postpone that and go to Kazakhstan instead. I think we, I think we ought to just make a trip out of it. Uh, you know, I, 
Borat, yeah, he's that, that's what his comedy set up on, and I, I think he's one of the more genius guys on, on doing comedy that offends people, but in a meaningful way. I mean, if you didn't know, Sasha Baron Cohen is actually Jewish. Um, right. And, and he pretty much, the, the point of the original Borat was to bring light onto um, anti-Jewish views and, and just other things happening. And, and obviously this new film is, is to bring light to, you know, different American views because he's such a radical character. People often say things they wouldn't in front of others uh, and, and just kind of brings that out in, in a satirical way. But, you know, this shows people's true colors, I guess, um, which I think is hilarious. Um, some people call it childish, what have you, but Kazakhstan is using it and and like I said, if you can't beat them, join them. And I mean, there are people that probably would have still gone to Kazakhstan, but I mean, now just to embrace it and be like, you know what? No harm, no foul, whatever. Come to Kazakhstan and eat our food, and you know, talk talk like Borat if you must. But you know, the, the funniest thing is he never even went to Kazakhstan. He actually went to a village in Romania called Glad, and they still want to kill him. <laughs> oh, I love Borat. Uh, I'm glad to see that he's being embraced in this way. This is uh, fantastic, and more power to him uh, as far as that goes. I, I hope they've modernized though a little bit from the way they are portrayed, but they seem to uh, present themselves in that way. On that note, we got Ron. Big thanks to Jared Sutton for stopping by and joining us. Also, uh, Brian O'Connor from O'Connor Advisory Group, and you, the listener, as well, for hanging out with us. You can subscribe to The Jones Report on Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. If you leave us a four-star, you're a hater. I mean, simple as that. So it's five or nothing uh, as far as that goes. Um, also, uh, you want to make sure to uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Instagram, Tyler Jones Live, Insta Thomas, Jones underscore Report is where you can find us there. And I hope everybody has a great week. We will see you on Monday for the post-game report. We'll put a bow on the weekend, and we'll see you then. So long, everybody.